0: Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brew and welcome to episode 161 of Beer Nuts the Podcast Adjunct Series, ladies and gentlemen going back to Australia tonight the uh, be very fortunate to get hold of some uh, some beers from this brewery who I only when did I dis- I think it was 2018 was my first time there. Um funnily enough, this brewery was located around the corner from my aunt and uncle's house, which is very convenient. And uh, I got to check it out. And then 2019, went back, got to meet up uh, with the folks behind the brewery, and it was just very impressive. Loved everything they were doing. Super cool people. There's a great tie-in to here in Ontario as well. So if you are out here in Canada, specifically Ontario, then you can actually... Get a taste of this stuff. So I'm super, ex- super excited. There's actually another full circle moment in this. So this is, i have been really looking forward to this part, guys. So please welcome, where am I pressing? Right here. Brendo and Derek the Bad Shepherd Brewing in the building. <laughs> <laughs> Brought the crowd for you boys. Welcome, fellas. Or welcome back, actually, to both of you thank you
1: thank you it's excited to be, to be back yeah yes. we miss
0: you i know we miss you guys man so to explain what i was talking about so people if you're real og watchers or viewers you would have seen brendo back in episode 29 of the original series when he was at the public cellars in croydon which was my old hood back in the day so it was very very cool to when we were chatting on facebook and realizing now you're a bad shepherd which is super dope and then if folks have been watching the vlogs, Derek and I met in 2019 when we were uh, vlogging. I can't remember how we got connected. Oh, through Lee. Yes, it was through Lee. Yes, right. but I knew you. Any- I knew the brewery anyway because I went. Yeah. Lee is a mutual friend of ours and uh was raving about you to to me when I was he knew I was coming back so I think that might have been why I checked that place where where I went there in the first place Um, and then yeah we hung out in 2019 on the vlog we had a big long chat and you had the wicked strawberry milkshake um IPA and the Victorian pale ale and all this fun stuff so it's uh great to see you both real fun that we've got these connections and to sort of catch up um but the best part the best part, boys. We got Australia here in Canada. Um, I'm really excited to hear this full story because, from what I I saw on Facebook, it did sound like this was. And I imagine getting an Australian beer in the LCBO here in Ontario is an ordeal and a half. So um, (laughs) keen to (laughs) keen to hear that story. So shall we uh, shall we break one open? Yeah, it would be rude not to. It would be rude not to. You're goddamn right. This (laughs) look at this double chuck hey. hazelnut brown ale uh, funnily enough i always feel like brown ale's get fronted on a lot i love brown ales man i am such a big mm. fan of brown ales um Ooh. first que- I know you know what before we get to the questions uh tell us about this particular beer
1: well the story behind this particular beer probably starts from its little cousin or okay. little little sure some little, little little brother maybe yeah. um Either brown
0: ale bro Boy or girl? Boy, boy. <laughs> I always wondered because beer is be like tough. feminine in yeah. French and Spanish. So I was like, "Oh, I wonder if it's like they all girls, or do you yeah. think they're we'll like
1: call we're called a little sister?" Okay, yeah. there we go.
0: Just to be
2: this little person. That's, that's, that's the little game. sister. Ah,
1: right. Brown. So when we started Bad Shepherd, um, we had uh, a range of five beers, of which our Hazelnut Brown was one of. Okay, still today it's still in our core range. It's a brown ale made with hazelnuts, vanilla, and frangelico. Okay. Um, And which frangelico again? It's like hazelnut liqueur,
3: right? Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, So we uh, we launched that as our dark beer start, and it sold uh, really well for us, and kind of. We carved out a name for it um, mm-hmm. as sort of our lead product that we we're most famous for. And then about a year later, we thought we'd amp it up a bit and come up with something new. And um, yeah, we, we thought we'd, we'd double it up. And our sales rep at the time, um, Scotty Thompson, he came up with the idea let's do a double chalk version. Um, and okay. we loved it. So we launched it. I think I, this is going back, I think it was 20. Seventeen, because launched in late 2015 and then okay. so 2017 i think we came out with this for easter um and so the Fantastic. idea was to add um uh, creme de cacao and at the time it was i think we used dutch processed cocoa the first year mm-hmm. um and cacao nibs i think we tried the first year Anyway, it's, it's evolved a little bit changed over time a few times but um that was sort of the idea amped up bigger alcohol version of it um with with chocolate basically so um and then that took off and become our annual it became our annual uh chocolate easter tree beer at easter yeah uh, which we've done now for probably seven straight years oh, yeah. um yeah so that's that's the idea it's um I don't know if you, what, do we have tasting notes on
0: it? yeah let's do yeah, that boys first of all cheers great to see you both
1: Ooh, get that in your cheers
0: on the nose yeah mm. <laughs> yeah that's straight chocolate crazy yeah. smooth body. Some nice. Um, I'm getting a bit of bitterness in there. I always feel like my first sips are a little messed up, but uh,
2: yeah, you get the because of
0: the cocoa in there. Yeah, it's yeah. um
2: like it, cocoa doesn't give you a lot of chocolate flavor. That's you know really coming from the malt and the vanilla and mm. and the creme cacao that's in there. That the cocoa almost contributes bitterness in yeah. there. Like it really does, and a little bit of dustiness there. It's, it's more mm. of a mouthfeel. Thing. Yeah. then flavour, um, I tend to find, but it's definitely, you know, you get that up on the nose as well just amplifies yeah. that up. But if you're just looking for chocolate, cocoa is not the place to go. No, <laughs> then, yeah. oh, Man, can you ever smell the brew though on the desert
1: and dump it into the boil? When,
2: well, <laughs> and, and then yeasting off yeah. or killing the it's uh, just cleaning chocolate. out the tank when it's done. <laughs> that, yeah. it, it, so much of it ends up in the bottom of the kettle and yeah. what makes it into the beer a lot of it ends up in the bottom of the fermenter. <laughs> like it's, it's an expensive ingredient. Yeah, three the of fuck all actually makes it through
0: <laughs> the finish. What's in there is good. It's good. What's <laughs> in there is good. Can you use yeah. the uh, spent uh, co- uh, cacao for any other products at all? Like, or is it sort of like it's all pretty, useless?
2: pretty up in the uh, yeah. in the the yeast and the trub and, and stuff gotcha. like that. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just not very soluble. Like you think, if you make um, uh, cocoa at home and uh, you finish it, there's always like sludge in the bottom of the cup, and that's there is. It, it never fully mixes. It's the same yeah. thing with the beer. Yeah, just times
0: a yeah. hundred thousand. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah basically, <laughs> it's really a cup of cocoa. Yeah, very expensive. So this is seven point two. Um, yeah, this is fantastic, and I really feel like like. I thought this was an interesting choice. I thought one of the I didn't realize it was the the larger version of a flagship so that actually makes more sense. I was thinking because now this beer is in the LCBO. I have this beer because it's in the LCBO, which was phenomenal for me obviously to support an Aussie brewery here in Canada is everything I want to do. And I thought, well, you know, I know the process, that three month you know LCBO aging program as uh, they joke about um, aging. <laughs> aging, right. <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. Um, but that this beer would very much survive that process and be completely unaffected by the shipping and everything. So I thought that probably would have been part of the thinking of it because um, obviously you do an IPA, it's dead, probably on the plane or ship or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, I thought it was a cool choice of a, of a beer, even all of those things aside that, I don't know, as I've kind of gone along this beer journey, obviously when I – met you Brendan Hayes hadn't really popped off yet and then Derek when I met you the I was obsessed with it because it was still not the easiest thing to get um anywhere. Yeah. and i found that sort of as and i'd be curious to see if you both are sort of doing this but you know you go sort of through the little circle of of like a um you know you start off with the color wheel and you go to the belgians and then you start to discover all the crazy hype and smoothies and pastries yeah. and haze and all of that and then you kind of come back around to crispies and now like traditional esbs and something like a brown ale like i would drink something like this every beer session now beer
2: nerds jersey That's just- it, it's just back to <laughs> the taste like beer
0: yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, it's just we'll a going that tastes right
2: right like there. beer. <laughs> 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 Full <Before laughs> We all start drinking lagers and stuff. And then yeah. you know, the pickle of coming back and peak beer, beer nerd is uh, I want a really well crafted pilsner yeah. or uh, yeah. yeah, something
0: like that. It's crazy.
2: Yeah.
3: Nothing beats yeah. it.
0: Um yeah. yeah, are you guys I mean, this is like a – like how how do you guys feel about brown nails typically? And I guess another sort of side note is like how how is that is that like a popular style in Australia or is this like a bit of like a A risk to put something like this out there.
2: They're a bit of an ally. Like, I think they're, they're one of the – so reds are my jam, but, you know, very, very closely followed by browns, right? And so the thing I always like about them is they you've got a lot of room to play. You get all that nice big malt base, but then, you know, you can go very traditional, like, you know, with, with this more English style and stuff, or, you know, you can amp it up and get, you know, hot flavour in and stuff. So you can really play and lay these lots of different platforms. But I think a lot of people, like, you know, they look at it and they – what the fuck's that? It's really dark. Yeah. It's a bit scary. So you know, it's if if you're not into it, it can be a hard push to, to pull people through. Mm. But once you're in there, I think like you know, people seek that out. But that that portion of population is is quite small, I guess. Particularly like you know, with the rise of things like hazies and just trying to pack more and more hops into things, browns and reds and you know anything any beer of colour is um, you know less sexy. Yeah. Um, as, as a result, I'd say. And I think, you know, it's it's definitely got a place. Um, and, and those that appreciate it, you know, appreciate a really good one. Like when I when I go to a brewery, which you know, I'm boring old man now with young kids, I don't get to do it very often. But when I do, you know, always have a look on the board and it's generally not the hoppy things I'm going for or whatever. I'm, you know, looking for those browns or reds or you know, something that's a little bit different, maybe something a little bit old school, see how they treat it and stuff. But you know, just general general punter. Um, you know, probably less less likely to go and seek that out. But sometimes you've got to brew beers for you too, right? Yeah. Like you know, we, we want to drink those low fills and enjoy them. It is I'd have
3: to
1: I'd have to say that. Yes, yeah. back to the whole journey and that appreciation. Yeah,
3: um,
1: I think also in the market uh, in being Canadian, um, I kind of get a feel from the market here and, and there, and go back a lot. They're very similar. Um, Dark beer has its place, particularly in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, It does have a following, it does have a number of people that differ naturally to darker or maltier styles, but they're a smaller (laughs) proportion of the the consumer set, always will be. That said, um, Bad Shepherd, um, we've kind of carved out our place in that area, between our hazelnut brown, our double chocolate hazelnut brown, our peanut butter porter oatmeal stout they've all been award winners they've all done very well with us with consumers and so um, while we're very confident we make fantastic hazies and yeah. lagers and, and and sours and stuff this is this is probably what we're most known for <laughs> is our darker beers. so um, I often uh, use the analogy of uh, Snapple in the in the 90's um, this would be pretty your pretty Canadian time Craig but yes. um, the, uh, they, they had this ad. I love this ad. It was, um, the Canadian listeners will, will know this. Um, we want to be number three was the ad. Okay. And everybody got it. Red Coke, Pepsi, Snapple. So it's like, you know, we want to be number three was their, was their chant, And it's it's the same sort of idea with sales. You can go in and you can go straight at the longer tap or straight at the pale ale tap, and, and that's, that's going to turn, and it's going to go very well for you if you secure it, but um, but the space and the competitive set um, is much smaller in the dark beer. And if you make a fantastic one and people connect with it, you can have a wide distribution base with a smaller volume that connects directly with people quite well. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a thing that
2: we did well and we still do. It's definitely a style that elicits um, passion from yeah. fans. Like, you know, like you, you really like them, you're going to search them out and grab them. And eat. Like, selfishly, as a brewer, I love walking into the brewery on mm. a dark beer brew day because, like, the mash tent smells so good. Like, you know, all those roasted malts and crystal malts yeah. and stuff going, Yeah, lager like, well, smells like nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Unless it
0: smells like parks. Yeah, yeah and then it's it a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that. I I like that a lot. Like, um, I'm just I like that sort of concept of the uh, bringing, like, bringing dark beers back almost and and having that, um, like, that we are number three thing is such a cool concept because, like, that competing in a smaller pool allows you to stand out more. And even just like, this is something that, that maybe you both could speak on too. I noticed with, I feel like almost nowhere does maybe like fun in beer better than australia i feel like there's so many beers i've seen on like i follow obviously everyone on instagram facebook and i'm like looking i'm like man that sounds like you know like beers that are am mimicked after like stuff i grew up eating like sp- um splice like the ice creams and the frosty fruit joints and like there's it's gay time everything and gay time isn't the greatest ice cream of all time it's the one thing i've got i got someone to bring me the gay time uh, easter egg last year so i kept the box over there so i can i took i took like six months to eat it because i was it's a tiny little bit each day um because i miss it so much but i feel like just the fact that this is called say double chocolate hazelnut like that is like a a little bit more of a you know If someone is scared as you're saying brenda with the darker beers that maybe a a title like this is like oh double chocolate hazelnut sounds like a i don't know some sort of like chocolate bar or something like that you know like does that help do you think that sort of thing helps get people over the hump of objecting to something like a dark beer? Like it's a big, um, you know, new, new product development in in
2: craft beer, you know, the last sort of 10 years has very much been driven around that sort of hook and, and focus. And, you know, whenever we're, we, we, we run a, a program of, you know, new beer releases sort of aim for one a month, um, generally around there. And you're always looking for, you know, what's that hook? What's going to pull it off the shelf? Um, whether that's playing with the novel ingredient or it's a style. Or is it, you know, um, yeah, doing, doing something that tastes like something else? So, you know, you, you just brought up the splicing. Our, our beer that's just dropped last week is a mango splice. So you know, a whole heap of mango in there and, oh, yeah. and vanilla mm. and it's it's sour, it's sweet, <laughs> it's 4% delicious. Um, you know, so we're, we're always looking, cool. you know, what are those <laughs> to help get it off? Because sometimes it's name and style, but, you know, also the creative is really important. What does the can look like and stuff? Yeah, you know, I think that's mm. something that it's, crafties do a really good job of is you know getting stuff that looks sexy um out there on the shelf pulls exactly. the buyer in and that and that's a big part of what we're doing there is you know <clears throat> is it going to sell itself because you know sales people they don't want to work too hard so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and have it do the heavy lifting for you uh, yeah. but it, it's a big consideration there and especially in such a crowded market there as Ooh. well like you know Every brewery is releasing new beers and then yeah. you've got a lot of core beers there as well. It's like how do you make that stand out? How do you get that to jump off the shelf amongst the noise that, that everyone else is generating as well? Yeah. It's um, it definitely a big consideration when designing and putting these beers out into the field for sure. And we, we naturally defer to what do you, like you mentioned, Dove talk
1: as an interest component. So what what is it that you can relate to, you know? Mm. So – While the craft beer experienced drinker can relate to, oh, that's a cool new hop, I love it, I want to try that, most people defer to what I already know. So whether that's a soft drink, a cocktail, um, a dessert, a certain kind of fruit mix, like there's, there's things, or another type of brand that you know and have experienced, so you have to be careful about passing off on brands. But... You know, there's, um, there's ways to relate to something else and then people are probably more likely to part with their money to try it mm-hmm. because they, they kinda understand what you're trying to do with the product. So we, we try to use that as our approach as you know, this this is an experience that you already know and this is
0: coming through in our drink. So mm. I like that. And that maybe that's part of it because I did notice over the years of coming back and forth that um, uh, Australia was a little behind in craft compared to the rest of the world. And I feel like it caught up really quickly. But maybe that's part of what ended up happening, happening culturally there as far as appealing to things that people already know by bringing back or bringing beers that, that replicate. You know things that people know like you know whatever all those different things we mentioned like chocolate bars and, and all that type of stuff that happened here for sure but i feel like it happened at a at, and maybe it's perception from my side but it felt like it happened at a higher scale than over here when i say here i, I mean like yeah. yeah you think that's fair i do i do yeah. yeah i feel like
1: it's it's more about geez this is actually kind of sad. i'm just realizing this now but i think it's probably a little bit more about provenance and the brand story in Ontario. I, okay. I feel like there's a lot more in style, yeah. possibly too. Um, yeah, I think somebody like Flying Monkey, they're incredibly fun, and they do, do some relation back to other experiences, but they're more about the journey of their brand, right? So um, where, you don't have as much of that here,
2: you do, but I think it's more about what you can relate to. So I, I would agree, mm. yeah. Interesting, yeah. okay. I think it cuts across lots of different stuff. Like you're saying, constant crossovers the last few years in Ooh. groceries and stuff like that where different brands are linking or pulling flavors. I noticed pay. that, yeah. But yeah. And stuff, and so I think it's something... Everything's that, merging into one. Yeah,
3: It's a fest, right?
2: I think it's something we've been doing in beer yeah. for a while, but it's certainly popping off culturally in, in other things as yeah. well around that that piece and, and yeah. leveraging and scaffolding it all together. And I, I don't yeah. know, maybe it's just something about the... Uh, you know, Australian tastes and, you know, like looking for a bit of nostalgia and, yeah. and that's so me. Like we can't be quite insular at times and, and that. And so, you know, pulling those comfort things forward and, yeah. and stuff.
0: Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's really interesting you mentioned that because it's something that I've, I don't think I've really spoken to anybody about, but I follow obviously everything. I have something here that points it out. Um, <laughs> like brands are no, things that you know and love are becoming complete just these overarching brands like i don't even like vb but i got the fucking dunlop <laughs> those are cool yeah. you can get
1: yeah, after right. try, it doesn't
0: even smell like VB. it's i've got it i got that too yeah it's, and I, I wear it every day and i got the vegemite the vegemite ones of these too and i got the matching socks for both because I, and it cost me a fucking arm and a leg to get them shipped over too but like <laughs> And I'm noticing, like, they're selling. I'm looking at the gay time Easter egg that didn't exist growing up. The the gay time, the cookie crumble on the outside, Veg, like, Milo is collaborating with this other brand and, like, they're mashing things up. And I'm like, what is, like, is, is that just, is that just like the big brands who own everything, like, flexing and just being like, huh, oh, you didn't know that we all own all the same parent company? Or, like, where is this level of, um, like it's, to me, it's like ex, it's additional branding past the product, and it's all food-based stuff for them. Basically, what you're talking about, I'm yeah. like, what? Where did that did not exist? I left 13 and a half years ago, so it did not exist then. And sometime in the last maybe five years, it seems like, and it just yeah. exploded. It's do we have?
1: just funny. Do have that big jar? Here? Oh, yeah. yeah. So we, it's, it's similar yeah. for us. Like it's it's a bit dirty, but um, same sort of idea. <laughs> Oh, there you that. go!
0: Yeah, big ass Vegemite. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: we um we did we we had a Vegemite uh, brand uh, hookup last okay. year with um, with uh, Bega. So we we they gave us the right to their brand, and we rolled out a whole branded barbecue menu and did a few festivals with their product and stuff. We did the Gavs festival with it and stuff. So um, I don't even remember how that got going, but um, but yeah, it, it, there's a lot of because yeah, spreading the brand out um, to other 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 categories and other ways to mission, i guess we do it more than other parts of the world. Yeah, it just
2: seems to be a lot of a lot of lot of play in that space. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Because I was quite like as much as I love Vegemite as a brand, I was quite happy that you know we didn't get up and going on a beer. We came so to close to right like that But you know, we came <laughs> so close, but <well>, we just <laughs> couldn't <laughs> convince them to do it.
0: Oh. What would you have done?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's likely going to be like a brown ale or something
0: like that, and just
2: mm. lots of umami, yeah, kind of going on. Yeah,
0: it would be a bit weird. I had a jar here, and I gave it to a brewery, some uh, friends of ours, and I was like, "Play with it, see if you can like do anything with it." And never heard back, but uh, a waste of Vegemite. <laughs> <laughs> But I can imagine it might not be great, but it's just, I, I can't, I haven't seen the same thing like Reese's Pieces with like whatever, something else like, I don't know, score or something. Like I haven't seen those brands here do it and I've just seen so much of it um, online and people know the things I like, so they'll send me pictures of the cool shit or I'll just, I'm on the Vegemite mailing list for some reason. So I see all the products and they, it's like, they're operating almost as like a fashion brand, which is. Yeah, they, they um, are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just, it's a very interesting, I guess a bit, that's a bit of a sidebar, but it's just like a fun cultural Aussie thing that I didn't get to witness sort of in person. But um, coming back to this, okay. So once again, I have this beer because I went to the LCBO here in Hamilton and picked it up. Um, like we said, Derek, you're from, where are you from in Ontario again, dude? Uh,
1: I was born in Sault Ste. Marie. I grew up in Northern Ontario, a small town called Manitouage, which is Catholic okay. during Sault Ste. Marie and Thunder Bay. Gotcha. But I lived in, um, in St. Catharines for school um, okay. and did in your hockey there. Uh, and then I moved to Toronto um, and lived there for about seven years before I came in.
0: Gotcha. Okay. I'll try and tell my girlfriend. I was like, everywhere. I remember, yes, <laughs> everywhere. I remember you said Northern Ontario. I was like, you said Northern. I was like, there's yeah. Thunder Bay? Because you think Northern Ontario, there's Thunder Bay and then trees. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm in the trees. Part. He's in the yeah, trees. In the
1: tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the old sticks. Um, and, uh, yeah, which I don't know if we can say that anymore, given the, the bullying. But anyway, birth guys play Smith Um Jeff Ward grew up there, so I suppose we breed NHL coaches.
0: And so, okay, think of that hockey royalty. I know nothing about hockey but yes still I should learn <laughs> it's been 13 yeah. years you think I've figured it out um so getting this I'd love to hear the process obviously being you're from this province you 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 know this is a passion project and that's what I kind of learned from what Brenda was telling me on Facebook but do you guys want to walk us through like how how this came about where the idea came from and then you know I imagine the arduous process of, of actually facilitating it all
1: yeah I can tell you the uh the, the inspiration and, and, and launch point of this started with a guy called John Tyler. Okay. So, um, I judged the AIBA award, AIBA, the awards, Australian Interna- International it, Beer Awards. Yep. Inter- Australian International Beer Awards. It's really funny to say when you think about it. It is. Yeah. It's um, the oldest beer award in Australia. Yeah. They just knocked
2: up 25 years or something
1: yeah, last year it's, or something. it a long it's a, time, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty big awards. It'd be one of the largest in the world. It's yeah. not quite like World Beer Cup or Gavs, but it's, it'd be up there after that. It'd be gotcha. one of the largest. Um, very prestigious. Um, so I, I judge that for, I've probably judged five or six times now. Um, one year I was judging the buyer from the LCBO came to judge as well. So they fly in a lot of people from it internationally. And this one year they flew in um, the buyer from the LCBO to judge. Um, and John... Um, ended up on my table a couple of times, I moved tables around, different judges, and he had on my table a couple of times and we struck up a conversation. It turned out John had, um, previous to that, worked in supply chain at Kraft Foods um, in the same building. I used to work at Kraft Foods in, in Canada, in Don Mills as well. And then we, we dug a bit deeper and we discovered we'd even been in the same meetings and we you know kind of worked on the same projects. And there was a lot of overlap, we just didn't remember each other. Um, but anyway, um, we, we we struck up a bit of a, a friendship, and he came out here. We have a really large street festival. We get over a thousand people out to our, our place and celebrate the beer breweries of the southeast of Melbourne. And um, he came out um, on that day. Um, we showed him around. He had a great time, and um, and he left me his card and followed up with an email saying, "If you ever want to get into the LCBO, I can't give you any preferential treatment, but I can tell you all the steps involved." So he did, um, and then. Uh, I was like, This is back probably in 2018, and I sort of just put it on the back burner. I thought maybe someday, someday I can look at doing this. And then, um, in then COVID it. so I kind of gave up on it, um, right. and forgot all about it until I came home in 2022. Um, and, and my family now live in London, Ontario. And I went back to London and, um, and dusted off his phone number and gave him a call and thought, hey, you know, love to talk to you about this, it might be kind of fun. And um, he said, "Well, I've retired." <laughs> so so,
3: You're sure? so yeah, so job.
1: yeah, but uh, but he did say the the good news for that is um, you know LCBO being a government uh, body, um, he particularly could not have given any preferential treatment to us while he was there. He could just tell us what's involved, but he's like, "I can help you all you like now um, because I don't work there." So he said, I can't force the issue. I can give you a lot of direction and guidance and suggestions, which he did. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, he gave me a, a couple of recommended partners to look at that can help import the product, um, what is um, of importance to the LCBO, things that um, would stand out, why it could work, uh, ways to present. He gave us a lot of uh, suggestions, which is great. John's a, a, an amazing man. and." Um, I, I I would I would be shocked if he doesn't listen to this uh this show, Craig. He's right into his beers. Um okay. so shout shout out to you. <laughs> But um he's he's actually Scottish. Um so but um Thank anyway, you. he um we won't hold that against him. Um so he uh <laughs> He, he, he connected me to uh, a couple of people, um, and uh, one of them was actually uh, Collective Arts. I spoke to them, um, but it was a couple of other uh, people, and we and went out speaking to a company <laughs> called Colio Wines. I don't know if you're familiar with them. C-O-L-I-O?
0: Yes. I've, I've definitely seen the name.
1: Yeah, yeah, so they own a lot of – I've been a bit remiss. I should have looked into this, but they own a lot of wineries in okay. Ontario, some big Let's ones. Take a look. Okay. Okay. Um, and they also own Thornbury
0: um, Brewery and Cidery. So oh, it used to be called um, King. Yeah, yeah, I know the another one. I've been there. Yeah, yeah,
1: same one. So yeah, gotcha. Um, so they and they own uh, they import a lot of uh, quite uh, well renowned French and Italian wines and a few other things. They're heavily into wine. That's their main game. Okay. Um, but, um, the, and they imported last year. One of the really famous IPAs from um, from England, I can't what it was
0: called?
1: Oh, um, the gob- it, the Goblin one. No, no, it wasn't that one. It was the one of the really famous old ones.
0: Oh, um, the the Red Shield one or whatever, like the OG IPA,
2: yeah, or something,
0: or um, uh, uh, Worthing? Worthingtons. No, it wasn't that. Anyway, it was it was, it was it an old, a, old it, was, it was it was
1: really old, old one. traditional
0: brand. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um,
1: John was a big fan of when they proposed to him, um, and so he approved it. It was one of his last goes before he left. And um, anyway, um, John um, John connected me up. I interviewed a few different people. Um, they were one of them, and and I loved their their uh, ethos, their culture, um, their small family approach to things. They um, they were quite respectful. Um, I had long conversations with their team, and um, and, and I loved them. Um, so they um, helped with pro- putting up a proposal to the LCBO and they still still do today. But um, we, we pulled together a pretty pretty robust proposal. Um, and they had the right inroads to John's um, uh, replacement. Um, and, uh, and she received it. She heard everything that we put forward. Um, there's hundreds of breweries that put forward their uh, their proposals uh, every quarter. And every you always have to put forward um, if you want to get into the LCBO. You have to be 12 months in advance uh, for mm-hmm. each three month listing. Um, we put forward a proposal for a listing of September 2023 um, in September 2022 after I'd come home from um, from uh, overseas and. Um, And it was the double chocolate as well as our peanut butter porter. And they were unsuccessful. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, they responded with advice that they were intrigued. Um, But there's a lot of breweries around the world. There's um, literally six or 700 breweries around the world that propose every quarter. And so they just said, look, there's a pretty pretty heavy competition and and it's tough to get in. So um, they said, but keep trying. We're interested. Um, Then I went home in December 2022 again. Um, and Colio arranged uh, a meeting um, with the LCBO, and mm-hmm. it's very hard to get that. And we actually went and met with them in person, um, took them on a guided tasting of about eight of our beers, um, told them a lot more about us personally. Um, they understood the Canadian connection at that point. Um, we mentioned to them that's our intention to move back to Canada um, one day, and it still is. Um, we just had a bit of a delay right now, but um, and uh, so they, they were quite impressed by all that. They were impressed by the tasting, impressed by how serious we were about it. Um, and so we submitted again in January for January 2024 listing. Mm-hmm. And um, this time they invited us to tasting. And the way that um, I understand their process, they, they do an open call every quarter, and there's 600, or 700 breweries submit to try to get into the LCBO. Of that, they pick 30 to 50 for a tasting.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: then they select up to 12 to put on for a three-month listing in their stores. Jeez. Um, they invited um, our double chocolate for tasting, not our peanut butter porter. Um, and then uh, shortly after that, uh, we were advised that it had successfully been listed. So uh, this was pretty cool. We we're pretty excited about that. Um, let's have something kind of fun here. We'll talk about that later in a minute. But um, <laughs> anyway, I'll put
0: that well, we got that. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have it. So, um, so anyway, so. Uh, yeah, we, we, were, we were informed it was successful. Um, we didn't know how many they would order, but um, it, it was definitely in. Um, they ended up ordering uh, four hundred cases, and they listed it into one hundred stores. Amazing. It was meant to go on shelf in on, uh, from the first week of January. It, we shipped it and it got there a little bit early, so um, it uh, went on shelf pre-Christmas. Uh, four hundred cases, and as of uh, this morning, it looks like there are only 60, 50, 55, 50, 56 cases left. Um, so, in the span of seven about seven weeks, it's um, nearly fully sold out already, which is Jeez. fantastic. It's it so, nice to uh, sell
2: that much in Australia that quickly. Yeah.
1: We
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, awesome.
1: but I was looking down at the bone. I wanted it uh, pretty badly. It was something that I, it was a dream of mine. Um, to, you know, being Canadian, but opening a brewery in Australia, I always wanted to um, have Bad Shepherd. On the shelf in
0: ontario and, oh, yeah, um, and so we fought pretty hard and um and, and we were lucky we, we, we managed to get it in so that's so cool i'm just pulling it up on lcbo now i want to make sure it's still uh at my nearest it store it's like if you only got 55 cases left to me that's so sick man it's, yeah um, that when i went there i went there was like i was saying i don't remember if i said it on air or off air but i went there like um straight away oh the only one nearby is in dundas Ooh, that means they sold out in my other store. That's the only one in Hamilton. Oh boy! I All think right. Burlington was one can last time I looked. <laughs> There's a Burlington store here and at Applebee, and that usually they tell you how many cans they got. Nine? Yeah. No, they on the of the sixty-one cans in the um, oh. in the Dundas one, in the Burlington one, one of them here is nine cans left.
3: Okay, nine. Right. Then in Oakville,
0: there's like 16. Okay, so I can still get some from Dun- Dundas. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I got Dundas pretty regular. Um, <laughs> dude, that's that's just so sick. And it's like, it's even cooler because sometimes where, where it was in the store that I went to, I, I guess you, you, Brenda, you probably would never been to one, I imagine. Have you been to Canada? I haven't made no. Okay, so like the I guess you know all about the LCBOs, but most of them have these walk-in fridge areas now. They didn't always have that. They used to keep like IPAs on the Walmart shelf. It was ridiculous. So now they got this walk-in, and this was in the it was on the bottom shelf in the like international section, which is where I went straight to because I assumed it would be there. Um, and I think when I went, like I said, as soon as I saw the post, I was like next day right there and um there was probably two cases on the shelf there but there was still some gone so i just grabbed like four or six or something just like let me just get some for now just to tide me yeah. over and then uh let the people have it but that's it's I guess my point was that it wasn't front and center it wasn't eye level uh, i was in the international section where i imagine it's probably still you know they had some great beers actually in that section it's all like the you know the trapper stuff and things from england and, and all that type of shit. um but for it to be in those sections and to, to clean up like that in what the span of a month, six weeks, whatever. Like that's crazy. Yeah.
1: yeah thank you. We we're, were really happy with
2: it. It's, um, yeah, yeah. just, just a life dream. Yeah. So it's too many to be all, uh, friends and family. He's not that popular. I so.
1: did have a couple of friends that were like so excited and, and like, um, so I had one friend send me, so show you this. Um, this this is a typical example of a couple of my friends what they were doing. Well, I had one friend literally go and grab a whole slab. <laughs> what a champion! Yeah. So um, picked it up. And we had, we had a few of those. Um, yeah. Another friend this morning even just send me a photo that he was having it. And other friends walking out with like armfuls and yeah. So, they <laughs> certainly didn't buy you know 400 cases worth. It. So it's it's gone well on its own mm-hmm. right, which is great. Okay. Um, and so we've now um, submitted for um, January 2025. We've submitted again, um, and this time we were successful in double chocolate and our peanut butter porter both progressing to the tasting stage. So
3: nice um,
1: to have that amongst you know some pretty heavy hitters mm. out there that would all be
2: trying to get in. That's pretty cool. Um, and, Amazing. Um, well, hopefully, yeah. this success gives us a few runs on the board to know yeah. that uh, it's yeah. Fairly low risk to bring, bring these products into uh, yeah. the RCBR, and know they're going to uh, clip the ticket. To- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it's possible
1: so cool. If peanut butter a quarter on shelf um, and they hit double chocolate or they switch the. We don't know. It, we may we also not be successful. So we might have to regroup in 12
2: months, mate, and uh, <laughs> walk, walk you through peanut butter. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. Mate, say less. I'm excited for that. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So then yeah. that's pretty sick. So once you have the tasting, I guess, and you, you find out not too long after that, whether would the success of this being that, like, I imagine that a, a brewery from Australia, that is, that, you know, obviously there's no physical presence here and you obviously have people who travel and obviously you've got friends and family here who know it, but typically the general public at large do not know who you are, but then yeah. still bought it. That's even more meaningful. I would imagine i don't think obviously we all like to roll the dice on you know something new all the time if you haven't heard of it or whatever but like if you pick up this can you like all this and it's obviously like one thing that we didn't really mention how sexy the can is like it's got that full black top um the whole black aluminium there and it's aluminium not aluminum and the (laughs) disagree (laughs) i knew you would that's why but it's two versus one we're on the same you're on the same team brendo right Oh, hell yeah, man. Okay. Just don't <laughs> there's there's, a, there's oh, an I well, in it. It's
2: probably in the metric system. I'm good, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: The non-metric stuff, I, I've i forgotten kilos now because I had to learn pounds. It's ridiculous. Which,
1: let's digress for a second here. This this is very true. We can digress. Weird mixed thing. Where, yes, so remember Mostly. But then you turn on an oven, and it's in Fahrenheit. Yeah, 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 and right. people ask you your weight, and you mention in pounds, right? And it's like it's this weird, and, and you do cups instead of mills, and so this and, and ounces. But then our speedometer is in Kays. kilometer, and yeah, our yeah. temperature is in for 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 weather
2: is in Celsius. And so we have this weird. You just can't get ovens made in Canada, or clearly. The clearly, yeah, we're, we're I guess so. <laughs>
0: It's really, it's been, it was an adjustment. Imagine like I can imagine you and I probably went through the same thing, just reverse. Like yeah. it, it was like, it was now I don't know what the Celsius temperatures are for oven. I don't know what the minimum is on, I do not know the Fahrenheit stuff. Now when you turn the oven, like I know yeah. you cook something, something's pretty hot, it's 400 degrees. I don't know what the fuck that is in Celsius anymore. I literally no oh. idea. And like kilos, yeah. I have no clue. I know what, but it took me ages. Cause I, I went to, when I first moved here before I got, too mean to be here and now I'm fat but went to the gym I'm looking at
3: yeah, the, you completely
0: <laughs> <forgot>. <laughs> yeah. I was like 45 who's lifting a 45 that's insane and I'm like oh it's like a 20 or whatever okay yeah, like yeah. trying to compare it all and the other thing was that was weird oh I worked when I first first moved here I was just looking for some small work and I worked with a friend in like construction I didn't do that in Australia I'm not a treaty by any standards and they used that weird Robinson screw thing which is like the is hexagon it? I was like, what yeah. the fuck is this? I knew Phillips or a flathead and it's this weird little yeah. hexagon thing. And then yeah. they were measuring in inches and like, yeah, that's like 16, three eights. So I'm like, what? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like 17 mil or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And these weird things. I was like, I can't do this. I'd been in the country like a month. I'm like, I don't know what's happening, dude. Like, I can't understand anything you're saying. Yeah. It's it's a yeah, very strange place. My uh,
1: my wife, Danny, she likes to refer, refer to Canada
0: as America's hat. <laughs> <Yeah>, it definitely <laughs> is. Uh, But at least America, you probably could give them props that they are consistent. They keep it all uh, imperial, whereas here they're not. The good thing when you drive over the border, you just, in my car, you just press, a, hold the little button in and it changes it to miles. But then we keep the ways in kilometers. Otherwise, I going in a thousand feet, turn that. What the fuck is a thousand feet? Who knows? What? Yeah. I'm like, it's, yeah. So it's like, it's like a constant stage. Basically, you're always confused, is really what, what it is. Yeah. No, yeah. Just constantly converting. Thing. You're doing the right thing, Brenda. You're not, you're the only one here not confused, mate. You're, uh, <laughs> uh right. confused about other things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it all balances, huh? <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so th- the cans are extremely attractive. I mean, I'm not sure if it, it looks like it's like the metallic, uh, you know, on the on the lettering and the logo and stuff. So it really stands out, even if it isn't given prominent shelf space. Maybe because it's the first time, so they're like, or because it could have been the store I went to, it happened to be placed on the bottom. That was just more feedback for you that I meant to tell you guys that that's yeah, where know, it was. It's, yep. Actually, um, position. Uh, absolutely right. Um, it's also like, but at the same token. So I bet it probably grabs attention for the shininess of the damn thing, regardless of where it's placed. Then you see this weird four forty mil can. If you look at like a tall boy, uh, here we go. There's a couple of things. This okay. is an American, American yeah. can. Yeah. So it's like a little. That's an American four seventy three. And then yeah. I happen yeah. to yeah. have. Yeah, four seventy three. Yeah, okay. And then yeah. like another. 500 mil on the on the right here or the left whatever so like it's like it's so weird all the different sizes so i I feel like that that makes it interesting and a little unique as well um and then on top of that i haven't personally i saw in quebec uh, um it's called dollar bill They do like Saison's and stuff. They had a Saison in the, it's called the SAQ in Quebec, same as LCBO. And like when I lived there years ago and um, I remember grabbing that, being pretty stoked to get some Australian. That was the first time I'd ever seen it.
3: in in Quebec? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It would have been either during the pandemic or just before. Yeah. And it was just like a straight up farm. I can actually tell you what it was because I don't think I've had many or any of their beers previously. So it should be easy to find. Um, it was quite a while ago, but I imagine there. Do you know what it was? Yo, I knew the guy. I knew the importer because I met. I, I in Quebec, there's a few more importers and stuff, so I could. I know that I could even find the dude and connect you with him, um, if he's still doing it. There's a couple of import companies that bring it to Quebec. Um, they cleaned up it. it
2: was
0: yeah. Last few years and- yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, Dollar Bill Saison. Oh. Okay, maybe I had another name. Um, was it Dollar Bill? Fuck. I can, I can get back to you and confirm what it was, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. If it wasn't them, it was another brewery that is like a green bottle farmhouse.
2: Okay. I reckon they definitely do one like that, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they say one like yeah, riffing on Saison DuPont or something. I, I yeah. thought that's Lacer- yeah, It looked like that, yeah.
3: Wallflower, yeah. No, it wasn't Wallflower.
2: Pardon?
1: Wasn't La Serene? How do you... Is that, is that the brewery or the volume
0: than dollar bill but i mean anybody could oh that's who it was la Serene. yes 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 that's yeah. who it was i'm so sorry that's exactly
1: what it,
0: it was no it was floor season okay. Flo- yeah right yeah. yeah let me see when that was i'll tell you i checked into that in uh may 2020 is when i got it yeah yeah so um, there um does a bit of export um dollar bill is so small yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd have been surprised that's why me. you're surprised okay um yeah. but it was so that was the first time i'd seen it and obviously i was stoked but i imagine though i was just thinking even from just the perspective of other beer drinkers um that it's it's like it's you know for, for drinkers we're always looking for something new and different and fun and like if we're able to get something that's like that from somewhere that you've maybe never tried before a lot of um i don't know i would say more people in hamilton probably haven't been to australia you know compared to say toronto bigger city or whatever so like if they can walk into an lcbo and they're feeling adventurous and like oh shit what's this it sounds fun like yeah. i think it's just like a real welcome addition to the market um selfishly yeah. i personally really love it but i can I, I like i can see why that why it would be appealing to like you know like the average beer drinker craft beer drinker who's curious just walks in sees something like oh yeah wow this is cool very reasonably priced too from memory it was like four bucks something actually i could tell you some three dollars ninety it should be i would tell you right now you are correct sir three ninety that's and for a four seven point two percent beer i mean that's uh it's pretty damn good yeah cost more than that here (laughs) yeah
1: it'll retail here for eleven to twelve dollars so a single can yeah, and it's it's heavily driven by the That's excise the tax, component. Man. Yeah. Now um, yeah. so, um, yeah, that said, we also um, accepted a lower margin to ship overseas because we wanted to introduce our product to the product prices competitive to the frame of reference in Ontario. We're aware of that. So, um, but we still, even if we wanted to take a lower margin here, that'd be below cost here because of excise. Excise is more than fifty percent of our cost base. So, gotcha. Yeah, I think we're we the third highest excise tax country in the world. Second or
2: third, I think it's like Sweden high. or something like one of those countries is higher. But we're yeah. we're pretty heavily taxed across the board yeah. on a world stage. Yeah, okay. it's, um, I should
1: know, but I would guess this would be over four dollars in excise tax, or well, over three anyway, in excise tax alone for this one can. So Right,
0: so it's pretty Jesus. Okay. I did always yeah. notice in Australia that the prices were always kind of like a little hectic, and I, I wasn't aware that, yeah. that it was driven a lot by tax. I feel like here, the LCBO. I've, we've had this convo on, on the pod a lot recently, like the pricing side of things. I've been learning about it because maybe like you guys, I don't. I never even looked at prices. I'm like, if I want it, I'm going to buy it. I want that damn beer. Yeah. And yeah. then there are complete other sides of the coin where they're, you know, uh, people who are buying beer and they're really price conscious and completely understood. And those people typically would shop at an LCBO as opposed to going to a brewery directly or something like that. Because even though it's the the people who are really nerdy about craft beer are going to go directly to the brewery, mm. unless it's like your neighborhood. You guys are in an area that's like, you know, there's a near Southland and like near there's a lot of... Um, you know, it's a very built up area. It's a super old area. So there's tons of people. So there's a lot of, it's probably just as easy to swing by you guys directly and pick up a bunch of beer yeah. rather than go to a Bundle or whatever it may be um, out there. So it's uh, that this was actually interesting to me because I didn't look at the price when I had no idea how much this was. But I figured it would have been kind of cheaper because of just the LCBO stuff. But it's also an import. It's also. percent also adjuncted so that seems to me with all of this recent conversation i've had like absurdly cheap but yeah that's
1: i mean it's good to hear that we're competitive because that that was the goal was Mm -hmm. to ensure that you know, people were willing to try it. And the, the ratings have been fantastic as well. So it's good. It's, it's pulled through and then people have enjoyed it, which is good. But we wanted to be sure that wasn't a barrier. Mm. The, the goal is still <laughs> to grow and have our have a position in Ontario ongoing. So um, we've also submitted for permanent ranging with LCBO as well. Um, nice. For this? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but we, we have submitted. So Amazing. that might be a little ways away. We're also in um, in draft um, a little bit too. So um, yep. Thornbury, um, yeah. So Thornbury oh, brewing in in Thornbury. Um, they um, they uh, are making. I think they made one batch of twenty kegs. Geez, I should have researched this before I came on. But look for craft craft uh, beer uh, bars in southern Ontario. They, they, it will be on, and it's not on now. It will be soon. So um, okay. they did one small batch and then um next year if we grow our distribution base with lcbo we'll do much larger things so um yeah so there's a uh, one batch of about 20 kegs going around to hopefully 20 different
0: craft bars hell yeah so, is there a way to find out where where that goes to excuse me
1: yeah i'll i'll I will find out i i was remiss i should have looked into that
0: um no so, I'll add yeah. it to the show notes because this will come out in a few weeks from recording. So we've got plenty of time. Okay, cool. um, so we can add it to the show notes so that uh, people can go and search. And maybe by the time it come out, it might be gone. But would that mean they're potentially going to do more batches in future if that goes well for them?
1: Conceivably, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really it – was, it was a little test. They wanted to do just, just a 1,000-liter tank and just see how it goes. So it was just 20 kegs. And they said they'd, depending how it goes, then, they'll, then they may roll out more. Um, They're not sure. Um, All right. Yes. Who knows? And maybe it's even
0: onto a second batch by then. Yeah. I mean, worst case. That's exciting, guys. Um, Yeah. Is there an intention, if you can speak on it then, like you said, Derek, before you're looking, potentially moving back here at some point, would that mean there'd be like a, it'd be an international brewery? There'd be one here, one there? Is that the the aim?
1: Uh, Probably not. I mean, I'm always open to anything. Um, and in fact, I, I reviewed an opportunity with that about two years ago that we knocked back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was open to anything, but I think we our brand would have to have clarity over what we're trying to do, a clear ethos and, and purpose. And I'm, I'm not I not given that enough thought yet. Gotcha. Um, for me, it's been about passion and sharing my joy of what of what Bad Shepherd is in Ontario for now. Um, gotcha. But great stuff. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, the, the personal journey side of it is to go to Canada um, more about our family. So um, we have two little ones, and and all of my family is back in Canada. So we want to go back there for a couple of years and um, and have the chance to have you know time with Grammy and Papa and the cousins and and. and Aunts and uncles, and and do proper Canadian time. Have a Canadian Thanksgiving, and have a you know a, a, a true Canadian Halloween, and you know kind of <laughs> get, live the Canadian life a bit. Go to hockey, and you know all that stuff. So, um, but lined up with that, now that we have a, a beachhead into the LCBO, hopefully we're also able to build the brand while we're yeah. there, and and then where that goes, I'm open. Um, but yeah, I'm also pretty happy with Colio as a partner. So maybe there's something we just partner and grow with them. Um, they've already got the capital and, 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 and the technology in place to to partner and potentially just make
0: the product themselves. So um, rather than so, importing, huh?
1: Yeah, See, that's pretty yeah. sick.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm, th- I'm just thinking as you're saying all of this. That's completely makes sense. It's probably a pretty not the best of times uh, right now, which I imagine we'll talk about as well. To be get jumping into a whole brand new brewery in another country, um, yeah. But the, I was thinking of the different, you were saying, just mentioned like the differentiator or like what, what it, what the brand is and stuff. And I'm like, well, over here, I'm just thinking like, Whilst the industry is contracting currently, like at you know, and even if it's like a slow grind and, and establishing, which is basically coming back to, and I will I always love the idea of con people shit on it here a lot, which always pissed me off because that means you don't understand business. But contract brewing, I think, is a great way to, to test yeah. a brand, get into a market. And I just feel like that, like, there's a bunch of like Aussie stuff to folks out here is probably maybe you know, I don't, I don't know, Brenda's probably surprised you, but it's like exotic and stuff, like, people used to always. Uh, when I first moved here, everyone's like, oh, man, I've always wanted to go to Australia. So, like, I'm like, sure, it's, like, just like here, dude. It's it's whatever. It's the same shit. Just they talk (laughs) funny. Like, and they got Vegemite and it's wicked. But, like, the the, the, the Aussie thing, there's, like, Aussie cafes here that I go to specifically to buy my Vegemite here and stuff. Like, an Aussie guy owns, I don't know where he's from, but, you know, know, there's, like, more and more of a cohesiveness between Australia and Canada. It's very, like, and I just think it's interesting and there's no – representation of that in the craft beer world there is a there's like a like i said a cat like a third wave coffee obviously which came from melbourne um because that's invented which i didn't know i learned about it over here and now melbourne melbourne coffee is like the best in the world and like that has become a thing to be an australian style kind of cafe um I've seen them in the States, too, in a bunch of places. And I imagine, though, I can just even see, even if you're contracting enough, and you can do a tap takeover at a beer bar, and there's eight lines or something, and you get a bunch of meat pies in from a local, there's a great local one here in Hamilton, and that's like a, a pie uh, company. We had them actually, like, last night or the night before, and I was very impressed with uh, the pies. Um like stuff like that, you know what I mean? To sort of like create and uh, it's like cultural, even though people might not see it that way. It is. Australian culture is is unique and you notice it when you're not around it, particularly for me being here and stuff. I'm like, yeah, like you do. I'm there all the time. I left. I'm like, cool, I don't need that. But then you find yourself like, I very much look forward to talking to you guys because hearing the accent again and hearing what's going on back home, it's very cool to me and you don't almost realize that you need that connection and I feel like there's a lot of Aussies over here that would appreciate that. Plus, Mm. with the globalization of the internet, everybody here knows about like, no, and all that stuff. Like they know the jokes, because it's global. (laughs) And I'd like, otherwise, why would people know stuff like that? So I'm like, because which is really funny, because I do know people who talk like that. Like yeah. oh, can I can go home. I'm going go home. Like, like <laughs> It's the the it's the actual best. And nothing beats Aussie humor. Like nothing. It's still the greatest in the world. Yeah. Like no yeah. one could nothing makes me cry the like laugh more than like Aussie stuff. So I just feel like it's because of the globalization people are like ready for it. You know what I mean? It's not like you're coming out here completely blind and people are like Australia, they make beer. Like it's not when I first moved here, it was all like, Oh, you foster's and VB look at what, and that's all they knew. Or maybe Cooper's if you're lucky. And now it's this thing here. So I guess what I'm long winded saying, it could work. I love this, Craig.
1: I, I love this. Cause we, we, we've talked before with Coolio and then ourselves about, you know, what, what is it? What are we trying to do? It started as a pet project and a dream. Mm-hmm. But what what could it be? And what, how could it be meaningful to you know to somebody in Ontario? And I think you've just hit it. Like it's we're sharing the story of what it, what Australiana is, you know, and and without and that being kitschy. Yeah, yeah, just reality. Like it can be coffee, it can be Vegemite, but it can also be meat pies. It can be. Um, Pavlova, maybe. Um, i like,
2: right, you be a little like to claim
1: on that. Yeah. <laughs> it's out. You know, we stole it. A story. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, and yeah. maybe they even partner with other complementary foods or, or drinks. Like maybe this is also something around down the road of like. Um, whiskey and, and, um, and wines. And so like wines, are obviously I've already had there, and there, but maybe there's, maybe there's more and, and that's, that's essentially a way to go about actually properly launching next year. Maybe yeah. to me, I've given it no thought, um, mm. just it was a pet project, and
2: now it's kind of got a life. So, got the yeah. and now it's, uh, yeah. it's starting to run away a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. I, I feel like it's, like, yeah. things that maybe you – because you guys are there and maybe you hadn't thought of it, but just being here and essentially, like, the lack of – like, just starved of Australian culture. I don't know any Australians here, really. I know some, but, like, my brother's in Toronto. i got some friends there, but, like – I'm not there that often. I don't, I'm around Canadians all the time. So everyone that I'm around regularly know all the jokes. They know they say the C word. Like they know all the things that are, uh, that are important. Some people know about footy, blah, 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 all the dumb stuff. Like, well, not dumb, but the things that I like that, that I happen to tell them about. But I feel like it's it's just bigger than that. When I first came here, I felt like I was this, like, weird little guy who was around all these Canadians, and I was like, always not center of attention, but people always found it interesting when I was telling them. They always had questions for me, and I was always, like, able to just give them something that they thought was fascinating. But now it's gone. That would mean that it's like a... Uh, what's the word? not like a hyper niche or just like a bit of a gimmick. Now I don't think it's a gimmick anymore. I really think that like globalization has gone to the point where you've seen content online from essentially someone with every accent from every country and that goes for everywhere. What We watch content creators from everywhere, like YouTubers and Instagram and whatever from all sorts of folks. So it's not weird anymore. It's not like foreign. It's like, oh, yeah, I watch, I watched listen to this podcast with these Aussies and I watch these funny guys on Instagram that do it and, and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. So, like, someone had – people have a frame of reference and then Ooh. that re- that creates potentially a – you know, there's okay, – why is there an Aussie pie company? Why is there some dude who's opened three cafes, two in Toronto and one in Guelph that sell Vegemite and has, they got, like, five different smashed avo versions of stuff and Vegemite on toast. <laughs> You know, and it's great. Like, yeah, like, I mean, it might sound silly, but like, it's, ah, he'll do it properly. Like, and and it's called Found Cafe, shout out to them. And like, it's really well branded, really well, beautifully done. It's it's very cool. So like, I feel like that there's enough of a, like a cultural thing that you could, if you say, if you have a physical presence here and the, the brewery is obviously in Melbourne and you guys have got, couple skews in the lcbo then the you know Collier or Thornbury or whatever are making some other stuff on contract with you here to spec where you can kind of you know keep yeah. track of, of quality you could easily i could point you in a bit i'll be more than happy to help in any way i can but point you in the right direction yo talk to this i don't know him but reach out to him or blah 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 here's all these folks and then you could pretty easily connect it and then have an event where you're pairing with like all right use I don't found doesn't do beans but maybe they could do something with them um yeah to do some sort of Aussie event thing, although you, yeah, and then it's catered by the pie company, um, yeah. and all of a sudden you got like a whole bunch of beers over here, and you have this Australia. It doesn't have to be Australia Day or something, but just some excuse to have a party and and just to really introduce people like hey, this is some real authentic beer. If our recipes are made by our you know Brendo back home. Like this is what what we what we're about. Like you know, come check it out. You can also get this from the LCBO. Plus, you can find it at a Bar Hop and all these different places. You know, all of a sudden it's this like ecosystem of like hey i can get this aussie stuff where uh, before it's like i can't get mo- i still can't get most of the snacks here i used to get them in quebec funnily enough now i like there was a place literally next to my house that was a new zealand australian uk place and they had everything like cherry ripes, sh- barbecue shapes twisties like fucking ev- you name it like everything it was the best and monte carlos oh my god it was so good um, <laughs> I'm uh, just thinking about it. I'm so mad. I went to Montreal in August last year and I forgot. I forgot to go. I, I'm still. I think about it like every other day. I'm so mad. Going like, after.
2: I'm taking photos. Right?
0: <laughs> just like, just spamming the chat. <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: Eat yeah, shit, yeah. dickhead.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh eating gosh. a gay time. <laughs> Hot chips. Yeah.
3: Yay. Hot jam
0: donut, Vic Market. Yeah, we like all that. It. Just all you that smell? stuff. Yeah, like, God, oh, man, I wish Well, it's storytelling,
1: too. Right? Like, yeah. that's, and that's what really sells any product is the story, not the product itself. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a story to be told that's not kitschy and, and you know, and, and is about the Australian culture, not about the kitschy part of it that everybody just knows, which is Vegemite and, you know... Mm. And the Steve I would
2: it. yeah, yeah, so... You know, but I think like that's, a, that's a big part of, like, you know, where the market sort of sits. There's a lot of yeah. authenticity in it now. I think we yeah. kind of, hmm. you know, you have some gimmicky beers and stuff, but it's not about being a gimmicky brewery necessarily or anything. No. You know, it is that, that authenticity and care behind what you're doing and how you're approaching it and stuff, and I think – you know, that's, it's something that people, I think, really latched on to here, particularly through COVID and stuff. But, mm, like, mm. you know, they were made to disconnect from everyone and so then they found ways to connect with people or products in different mm. ways and those, you know, <clears throat> brands and things that had a proper story to tell and stuff really started to pull through yeah. and get that connection. Then we've kind of had a little bit of a back step now with inflation and, and spend, Um, you know, uh, everyone's mortgages and and disposable income, uh, you know, coming together. Um, There's uh, there's different sort of uh, uh, decision making and stuff, but I think that's been a big thing the last couple of years around it and and certainly something that you can pick up and import elsewhere. Like people like that authenticity regardless Mm. of where it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, 100%. Oh, right. yeah. This cool. I'm going to take that away and think about it
3: a bit. I
2: think yeah, – um, um, I want to plant some seeds. Okay. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: Stopped guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so. Do you guys reckon then – do you think that the, where the Australian beer scene is at right now across the board, do you feel like um there's like a – like kind of what you're saying, Brenda, like an authenticity in the sense of like, this is what Australian beer is about and this is where we're at, as opposed to like following a global trend or trying to catch up, which I felt like at times when I was there, that's what it felt like. Not in a bad way. It just needed to catch up to get maybe around the same sort of quality level. And now I feel like all of this, I mean, this beer is phenomenal. Everything I've had from Australia since the last, I haven't been back since 2019, unfortunately. But, um, th- you know, like, do you guys feel like there's like a, is there a thing you could say, oh, that's what Aussie beer is and that's what it is and that's the essence of what you could capture and then export in a way? I think everyone's
2: kind got their own take on it and people take different approaches around it. I mean, there's yeah. certainly certainly some breweries doing really good work around like native ingredient incorporation and, mm. and stuff like that and trying to be you know very true to the the land and that's it. And they'll take a very different approach around that piece. I don't know. I don't think you can kind of, you know, put something up as opposed to child and say this is this is Australian beer. Um, you know, mm. everyone kind of has a little take on it, but I think it's more about the approach and, you know, how people conduct themselves and the passion that drives that, that kind of links that commonality around that piece and, and the industry mm. and people trying to sort of, you know, forge their own path to an extent and not just do what everyone else is doing, mm. you know, to be, me too and and that kind of thing around there as well so i think yeah, that that breeds a lot of variety and i think you know the as big as the industry has got here and, and it has it's expanded rapidly over the last um five to ten years you know i know when i got started in here you kind of you know <clears throat> name, name breweries around you off off your hand really easily and stuff and it's very hard to keep up now but the, you know, the industry hasn't really changed from the respect of, you know, everyone's really friendly and collaborative mm. and, and that sort of thing around it. So, um, you know, I think that's a big piece of how yeah. we work here is just, you know, how, how open and, you know, yeah. you can walk into a brewery and say, hey, you know, I'm Brando from such and such, you know, you get into really good conversations and, and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's quite an amazing space to play. Hmm. I kind, of, kind of feel like it's more like the...
1: Why, as opposed to the what, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. If there's any one thing that kind of says this is Australian, and Australian beer, mm. but I think there's why behind it. Um, you know, there's there's the collaborative element, which is global in beer, which yeah. is great. But I, I, I do think it's pretty deep rooted here. Mm. Um, you know, I I I was just in, in Queensland for holiday, and and I dropped into. Um, uh, Ten toes brewery in mm-hmm. Sunshine Cup. and um, you know, I walked in there and I just, I just saw they had a sign up with all the hottest one hundred beers of Australia. It was just bonkers, um, and we featured on that as well. And and I saw her thing, and, so, uh, and, and she saw me looking at it, and came over and talked to me, and and I mentioned who well, I was. Just, oh, we love you guys, and I immediately got in chatting about and our breweries, and how things are going, and stuff. And it, it's, I think, right across the country, we're all in it together and yeah. we're all um one big family um no. and i think that's th- there's a there's a why there somewhere that kind of represents what we are uh, and mm-hmm. i think that can that can come through in a lot of products think,
2: yeah so. but i think yeah. it's largely like most people don't start a brewery to become you know financially uh <laughs> successful and it's, it's generally it's generally driven from passion for the the product the process yeah. the yeah. the people that sort of thing you know like fuck i i left a big corporate paying job you've done the same run away join the circus all right like yeah. that's what you do <laughs> Yeah. For, for the passion um, around that piece and I think, you know, generally people starting from that space with good intentions and, yeah. and that, that's a big sort of underlying around it and, yeah. you know, that, that fierce independence that comes around it and, you know, particularly we see it now in the last couple of years with, like, the rise of white label um, supermarket brands and stuff like that yeah. who some are very good at trying to masquerade and pretend that they're craft and stuff and it's all yeah. very de-identified and stuff. It's... Um, you know, it's, 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 it's more important than ever around yeah. that piece, that authenticity and, and stuff. But, you know, it's getting that message out there that people understand it. They know who owns the beer and stuff. It's amazing. Like, you know, you look at some of the big, like Carlton Draft and stuff like that. It's amazing the the side in the wool proportion of the population that drink that who don't understand that, the Japanese own the majority of the beer in Australia now these days yeah. and stuff. They think, you know, they're, they're loyal to this Australian brand and, and where you go, it's, um, you know, it's, 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 if we talk about globalization, we talk about ease of access to information that, but it's amazing
0: how ignorant people still can be. <laughs> now. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, I see what you're saying. No, that's great. Great answers, boys. I love that. Um, do you feel like it's time for the, uh, the next one?
1: Yeah, yeah, this this blew me away, that that actually worked out.
0: (laughs) You guys would have seen my
1: my lovely wife sneak in behind me and and hand over a a can, but uh, yeah. Oh, they don't even match, they're different years! They're different,
0: that's
2: even cooler. That's cool though.
0: Does yours have a year on it? You gave it to me in 2019, it's packaged uh, 2nd of the 3rd, nineteen. Mm-hmm. So this was just packaged when I saw you.
1: Yeah, right. Okay, so this is 2021. So two years later. I do have that same can, and she's grabbed the wrong one. I said to get the red and yellow one. She got the red, black, and yellow one, but
0: that's you all right. I think it's kind block. of
2: fun. You'd be better at that. She looks after all the marketing stuff. She does stuff. do all the stuff.
0: <laughs> so. uh, well, hey, it's close enough.
2: It's a vertical flight. Yeah. Vertical.
0: International <laughs> vertical. You
2: can tell us what yours tastes like. Yeah. Yeah. We can tell you. yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, I was a little concerned because I remember this was a low fill, but that just gave me a nice hiss right here. Hey,
3: oh, there nice. you Good. Good. So, yeah, which man. is a
0: great sign. So this was a uh, 9.2% uh, Russian Imperial stout. This is not, it's almost like the initial like nose there was, it smelled almost like barrel age. It's not though, right? No. No, wasn't. okay. Yeah. Oh, this yeah, is perfect. Mine. I was so worried that this wouldn't be good. I, I shouldn't have left it this long. I drank everything else that you gave me uh, pretty quickly, back in 2019, and this one just got caught in the. You know how that shit goes. Sometimes you just gets caught up, and I moved, and yeah, yeah. I have a nice little cellar now, and I was able. To, I had it like front and center too. It's always been like right at the front, so I always had it like. I need to have that goddammit it, and I'm really glad I did it because then we wouldn't have had it together. Look at that. <laughs> sort of to together be. sort of i'll take we're just it in the, we're in the we're in the not as far back past no well, you're <laughs> in the uh you're in the future yeah, yeah future's go looking future. good
3: how's
0: it's the future
2: right. three years old now. Oh, this good. Oh, wow look at this head. look
0: at this glorious thing look how good that's looking for four years old oh spectacular cow. They that's go, actually. Go you said 20, it's actually five movie. years old. Yeah, it? That is that one it? Is 2019? Yeah, oh, you're one. right. I don't know how to do numbers. Let me no. just do this review. You got the
1: wrong one. Mm. <laughs>
3: oh, I
1: didn't. There's a red and yellow can. That's in the anyway. We're, we're making do. We're making do. Close enough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, this smells right. great. Well, first of all, boys, cheers.
3: Cheers.
0: Mm. <laughs> oh wow, that tastes great. Ooh is mm, mm. more fun than it's. I feel like with uh, Russian imperial styles, one of their uh, and you guys can absolutely correct me. Um, one of the characteristics is they're typically a little like uh, a little harsh, a little dry and um, licorice-y mm. and stuff. So the time, which I actually quite enjoy about them, but being that they're a tad older, it's like mellowed out. This is like yeah, so, this, yeah. is, this is this is dangerous. Has- yeah, it takes takes time for that booze and
2: malt and everything to integrate. Like you've got so much big specialty malts and roasts and stuff like you know fresh beer is generally the best beer (laughs) but you know something like this put it away and let it let it hang out for a while yeah yeah, rewards
1: there's a there's a story behind that one too the one you have particularly this one we resurrected only the base beer but so what we did was um that batch in 2019 we we did a full tank and then we we sectioned off parts for different purposes and we made this this family of we use the term Russian which I guess we can't say anymore but it technically is the term Russian imperial stout and yeah, I see we, that. Um, yeah so we we, um, we moved um, I think we got we acquired six different barrels and we put the stout into six different barrels and let them age and then the one you have is the base that did not um, mm. and The six different barrels were all different, and we named them all after Russian spirits, being a Russian stout. So, um, the base one was the Alkanost, which is like this weird chicken woman sort of thing, but there was like a (laughs) chicken and – Oh, it is a chicken woman. Yeah. So, they're all like creepy spirits. um, And so, that was the theory of it. Yeah. So, and and it evolved into the second one was let me see if I can pull back. It's like a bird human thing. Yeah. yeah. So which is a apparently an alkanost Yeah. So um uh, yeah so we, we, we did that <laughs> and then we named all the other ones. There was Kikemora and a few other ones. They were all so one was aged and they were putting these beautiful bottles and one was aged on um, poblano chilies. Um another one was aged in a merlot barrel. Another one was aged in a in a port barrel. Mm-hmm. Another one was aged in a in a um a Star whiskey barrel, um, another one that was aged with um, cherries, smoked cherries. Um, so they all had different um and there's this family of Russian stouts made inspired by all these spirits. Um and so we launched that all as one go, as six different bottles and it was a very limited batch and sold out and was gone, but we we did keep some of the base cans as well. And that's what that was and then we brought the base uh, the base product back one more time in 2021 right. was when we have some recipe, but two
2: years apart. So yeah, we did do it. it again, but then uh, oh, we did see, do it one more time. Use yeah. the base, but didn't call it a Russian imperial style. No, it's called an imperial, imperial style. Yeah,
0: because yeah. yeah, you can't right. are, you, are you saying you can't because it's like some sort of like uh, the, the naughty? Well, their leader well, is naughty, and oh, that's why right. <laughs> the leader is naughty. Is, um it's sad. We, we shouldn't paint
1: the whole russian people like it, it drives me nuts yeah it's all like, it's, it's not a fair. weird time bro no yeah like it's not fair to to like cancel all of russia because of one dickhead right but yeah anyway um, but we can't it, it just wasn't appropriate to use the term russian when we brought it back the third time we just called it, it i go in a lot of
2: we were releasing beers at the time in support of Ukraine yeah, and, and stuff
0: like yeah, that. Yeah, so it, well. it just wasn't a good time. Being very on the nose. Yeah, yeah so. no, that's fair. I totally get it. It's a strange strange time for all, the, all of that stuff. But um, okay, that's a dope story. I Correct me if I'm wrong here, and maybe this wasn't part of it. Some of the beers that I got back then were a part of like a, a where the staff got to choose a star. One of them that I had was like a Dark Saison at the time. Yeah is this yeah. a part? because this was just canned i think you will look oh yeah we did this hey this is low field take it that's how quick it, we, we'd be yeah, yeah, it's drinking for an hour or something so it's probably why yeah, you don't I remember don't um, yeah but uh, was this one of those no it okay. wasn't but um
1: but um that is something we still continue to this day we're up to number 22 yeah i think so so we do oh, uh, yeah. a brew crew and if you, any Permanent member of Bad Shepherd in Order of Time worked at Bad Shepherd um, gets the opportunity to make any beer they want. So That's dope. Um, we're up to twenty two of them now. So mm. and the most recent was uh, a nipa from it's, our assistant venue manager. So yeah, did a Doppelbock before that? A doppelbock, yep. Wow. Nice yeah, beer, yeah. So yeah. So um, we've been all over the place. There was a Dark Saison, I remember that. Um there's also a Block Nipa that year, so it's all about the dark
3: styles mm. of lots of dark work.
1: stuff. Versions of lighter lighter styles that year, but um, yeah, we uh, the black nevo is a weird one. It tasted great, but man,
0: don't pour it in a glass. Mud, yeah, ink. Yeah, Yeah. sounds great though.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a great drawing card for the business too, because everybody gets a chance to do something fun. Roll, yeah, yeah. Just go spend the day in the brewery. making it as well and um, have the joy of launching whatever you believe is a representation. you. Like we had one um, former assistant manager. Uh, he did a, it was like a rose and hibiscus sour because he was from New Zealand, but his family was originally from England and he wanted to have um, flowers from the hibiscus coast of New Zealand and roses to represent England. Um, and he loved Very sour cool. beer. So we made that. Um, and he actually went down to the, uh, <laughs> this might cross you out a bit, but he went down to Port Phillip Bay and and literally got big jugs of of salt water and brought it back to salt the product. It was, it was actually a ghost. But um, yeah,
2: so uh, you know, we, we get quite creative, though. It's
0: been, as long as it wasn't an EPA warning that day. Oh, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> it's it's it. Boiled it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just salt with some water. It's fine.
2: Yeah,
0: exactly. yeah, that's it. yeah. It could possibly go wrong. Yeah. Exactly. The alcohol cancels and all that. He's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's dope. I, I like that whole concept. I really like that whole concept that you know really involving the team and bringing them in. And um, honestly, I'm just blown. I, I was just, I just didn't think this would hold up. I really thought that this would not have carbonation or anything. So I just, I always heard that low fills can kind of like, and it wasn't really, it felt the same as normal. So this is like, it's such, this is great. I like, I've, it's very interesting to have a five year old beer that's like, it's so restrained and so chill. It's like nice coffee, like dark fruit. Um, the bitterness is definitely there. It's that dustiness is still there, kind of, but the licorice is toned down. I'm not the biggest licorice fan, but um, it really works well in this type of beer. But it's it's like star anise type of shit, and it's like mm. definitely subtle in the mix there. Yeah. If you get a lot of that. You, get a, you get, get a
2: lot of molasses in ours, It's kind of sticky and... Um, yeah. No, that
0: was about Karen. the brown sugar sort of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, molasses right. that's an interesting one mm. Mm. yeah so maybe this one's probably a, maybe a, oh I can kind of get it in there it's got like a lot of that dark fruit type yeah. of thing yeah, okay. so maybe that if it was a touch younger that maybe molasses toffee yeah. um yeah. would probably be around a bit but um I mean that this is props to the canning the canning line right here it was working there <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a you know, that day the
1: canning line um shot itself. I, I distinctly oh, remember really? March twenty nineteen, Yep, yeah. Our former head brewer Craig calling me in a panic because <laughs> there was some sort of carbonation issue where we couldn't hold the pressure right as we were canning away. It's been a lot of waste. Right. we got to figure it out. But it was it was a nightmare. I remember that. So it's, it's good to a
2: tell. Year to, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> waste on it.
1: Yeah, it was it was it, not good. We, we lost oh, it. Damn. But, uh, but yeah, well, you know, I, I do. I, I'm certain we have another can of it. So we'll have to um, try it with you when you're when you're out here next. I'll hold yeah.
3: right
0: on to it, please. So, yeah, because then it'll be even uh, it'll be even more fun. The st- I'm trying yeah. to check what date it was. It was March the 10th, 2019, is the day I was there. Yeah. From uh, the uh, strawberry milkshakes, uh, that, that was it. Good memory that you got. Remember the candy light going down? Jesus Christ, oh, uh, it was pretty, pretty memorable. <laughs> unfortunately,
2: <laughs> something's burning cells into your brain,
0: right? Forever. <laughs> Um, this is fire. One thing I wanted to just quickly touch on. So if anyone obviously who wasn't listening for, for, you know, back in 2016, when Brendo was first on, or in uh, 2020, when Derek was first on, I wouldn't mind just getting from you guys, just like Brenda specifically, like how you, cause this it tripped me out, dude, to be honest, cause I didn't know you were with Bad Shepherd when I was commenting on the post with the, uh, with the beer out here. And then when you yep. were responding, I was like, Oh fuck are you working there. So I think I messaged you boys. I'm like, let's do this this is so perfect it was made my day i was like this is amazing like it's like a pretty cool coincidence for me personally i thought this was awesome do you want to just like walk us through your general like for both of you just to get the general history so people know in case they haven't heard the older episodes because i imagine we have a bunch new a bunch of new listeners uh, since the last yeah. ones um yeah just like brendo specifically for you brother like how you sort of like did the Got into beer, I guess, and then how it went from yeah. the journey from public sellers up to batcher? Yeah, yeah, sure, man. So um, like Derek and I have known each other a really
2: long time, over a decade now. Yeah. Um, we both came out of the uh, the same homebrew club before yeah. uh, either of us were professionally brewing. So um, it's where we uh, we know each before other before we went crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> before we- Rabbit hole completely. Um, so I think I was I was in the club um, a bit earlier than Derek and was having some pretty good success. And then uh, Derek showed up and started entering competitions as well. And we sort of duke it out and, uh, <laughs> and nemesis. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, not, not, not nemesis, no. but um, yeah, just just both sort of successful in our own rights and and stuff around that, and sort of you know fighting out for a few trophies here and there. Um, and then I had the opportunity to uh, run away and join the circus. Like I, said. I mean, I was suit and tie five days a week in corporate well, project management, sales, consulting, right, right. lots of things. Um, and, yeah, a little brewery, public brewery was opening up around the corner from where I lived and I was just being nosy and sort of walked <laughs> past every day and while they're building i yeah, you know, what's going on in here? And, you know, got friendly with the owner and sort of, you know, sussed out, do you know anything about brewing? No, nope, no, nope, nope. good luck. No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, they were looking for a brewer, and um, I came home, and my wife said, "Oh, you know, have you uh, have you seen the seen that ad?" And why? Like, yeah, I saw it. I've like, seen that advert. I was like, "You should put your hand up." And then, yeah, away we went. And uh, sure enough, I got the gig, and uh, you know, sort of grew from a little brew pub over uh, into a production brewery that I moved twice uh, in the time I was there. So I think I was there for about six odd years or so. Yeah. Where was yeah, that? You know, sorry, was that
0: was that public sales?
2: Yeah, Public Brewery, yeah, yeah. Okay. So nearly six years I was there. Um, and then uh, just before pre-COVID, like just, just on the cusp of COVID kicking off, there'd, uh, there'd been some ownership changes and, and stuff and uh, the way things were running didn't really sit that well with me. It was kind of obvious it was time for me to move on. Um, so I went and uh, did a almost two-year stint at Brick Lane Brewing, which is a one of the Biggest independent um, uh, breweries here in Australia. So it went and played on the really big, big toys. Went from you know brewing on a uh, 15 hectolitre brew system to uh, piloting a uh, four vessel 50 hectolitre, and then a uh, four vessel 100 hectolitre brew house. By the time I left, went through a lot of um, upgrades there and stuff, and that was good. Um, you know, learnt learned a hell of a lot about uh, playing with big boy toys like centrifuges and filters and, you know, really state-of-the-art gear, um, but shift oh, yeah. work ground me down a bit. And, um, yeah know, as you can imagine, when are doing those big volumes, not always the most interesting, uh, interesting beers that you're pumping out. Um, and Derek and I over the years have danced around each other a lot. Um, you know, there have been a few times like when, when I went to um, to head off to Brick Lane, I think I reached out to see if you know, there was any opportunities over here at the time and didn't quite line up. And, you know, Derek had called me a couple of times over the years to see if I might have been interested in coming over. But, you know, it just, it just up. never quite <laughs> lined up. And then um, he, uh, he got a hold of me <clears throat> and uh, said, hey, look, I've got this, this role that I'm looking to create, we want someone to focus on our new product development. Um, come in, be creative, uh, and yeah, uh, away we went. Sort of the stars finally aligned, and. It was, it was funny, like it was right on the cusp because it was really awkward timing just with what was happening in the market and stuff. Yeah. And um, You know, I was sort of in two minds about uh, jumping across at the time and just leaving security again um, gotcha. in, in, in some awkward bits. But, um, you yeah, know, it lined up it worked out pretty well and sort of came over and did that for a couple of months. And then um, the the fellow who'd uh, stepped into the head brewer role at the time um, – Decided that, that that wasn't the right role for him, um, and so I'd come over to be creative and not manage people, and and that's that had been the remit. And then Deborah uh, <laughs> left, and Derry's like, "Yeah, you know, do you reckon you could uh, do just one I gone out, pull me back?" in. And, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh, here we
2: are. So uh, not not so much recently because it's you know running a fairly skinny team at the yeah. moment, but. Uh, for the last little while most of my best work's been done in uh, Excel rather than uh, in safety <laughs>
0: boots on the floor. <laughs> yep. Is that what you wanted? Is the uh, the Excel life or you wanted the like the the pilot system uh, life?
2: No, I think the balance between the two is actually good and I think one of the um, the good things about having had to get um, more busy on the floor over the last sort of six months or so there is it does, um, it's good reconnecting back into the processes and having a closer eye on some stuff. And so I think a balance between those, like, you know, as we swing out of this market and and hopefully go back into a growth trajectory there and and start to build the team out, um, I think it's, you know, become pretty apparent to me that it's important to not have yourself completely divorced from from that side of it. Mm -hmm. Great point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. When you first on board and you were set loose to go and work on innovation a lot of the innovation brenda was brought on board originally the vision was to have him bring his experience um and and wherewithal around not just large-scale brewing but um uh innovation terms of capability and product development, and, and you know, and, and he came in with a lot of things around just kind of our process of our, of our brewing and um, and how we make product and, and, and the way we do things. And, and it, was, it was interesting to see. It's quite fresh to have that uh, view for, uh-huh. for a while. And then we had, we had to go through some changes, so it, it kind of pulled back. But, but you're right. I, I think the times where you're able to put yourself in amongst it is where you're I, mean, I think we probably all have that. You put yourself in the it you can add a lot of value because you're there and, yeah. and you're able to cast eyes onto things and see see how you can add value in in better ways, not just you know from from your from your desk and Excel spreadsheet. So, <clears I> mean, which, <throat> which is important, but you know, I think um, being being on on the tools and being in in amongst it, there's
2: a lot of value there. Yeah, totally. I think it's good for um, like you know posturing team and morale and yeah. that sort the of thing there as well. Like, I mean, one of my, I've led a lot of people over the years and one of my things has always been, especially when you're giving someone the shit job, it's like, yeah. you know, like, know that self. I have done this job and yeah, I never yeah. ask you something that, you know, I will not yeah. do myself and stuff. But I think, you know, that's that's all, all well and good to say that and stuff. But when you're actually on the floor and you're doing the shit job and people see that, um, yeah, you know, I think that uh, that engenders yeah. a lot of trust, and, yeah. and and it's good for like team morale yeah. and and that sort of thing there as well. <laughs>
0: yeah. I couldn't agree more. The, one of the things that always pissed me off, at, like I have my own business now, but like you know, obviously I work for people forever, and the best managers were the ones who were in the weeds with you or had done the job, and the worst were the ones who were just telling you what to do and had never done it and had no clue about what's going on. So you you know, if you knew that the the person who was taking care of you had done it. And like you said had wouldn't ask you to do something that they had not done themselves or wouldn't do themselves that's so um i think it's really meaningful particularly in like a hands-on job i've always done like desk jobs type shit but like particularly for this type of thing if you're in there and you're like all right man, you gotta the the stuck mash bro like we're going to get it out like like i'll give you a hand you work on it together and it kind of brings that together you're like, man brendo's awesome like he's taking care of me yeah he's in charge but you know like he gets it and i, I feel like that's that's awesome dude i really like hearing that yeah. as a now I'm getting off like an old fart. Like it's um, <laughs> it's 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 cool to hear that perspective, because it was yeah. just, it was my pet peeve, uh, in all my working life. So uh, that's really awesome. So what have you guys been able to like? When did you actually join Bad Shepherd, Brendo? Uh, oh. uh, February twenty-two. Okay, so it's that been almost really a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 more no, than a year. No, no, it'll be no, no, it be, it'll be yeah, two years Tuesdays, this month. Yeah. I keep what yeah, I thinking twenty-two was last year? I'm fucking yeah, sick. Yeah, I, know, right? well, I I had to do the thought oh, <laughs> the yeah, too, yeah, it'll be so 2 out, years yeah. the end of two this years. month. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um yeah. what what has uh what what is what is sort of maybe the things that you two have worked on um that have changed in the last 2 years. Excuse me, as far as whether it's innovation or whether it's even if it's like as as simple as process or uh, you know, efficiency or something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was a big part coming in, like we sort of went through one of my jobs was to you know, look at look at recipes, look at processes, look at what we're doing, try and make it more efficient, drive out cost. Um, you know, sort of have that that new lens in. I guess having had a little bit of time in one of the bigger brewers, mm. um, you know, brought a different perspective to what I maybe had in my yeah. first six years of brewing, and um, you know, yeah. making it up as I went along, and, and going from that small small growth thing, you, you look at things a little bit differently. So that was a, definitely a big sort of tranche of work, and I guess one thing I've learnt, um, you know, when when you're home brewing and that sort of thing, you tend to it's kind of like cooking, it's kind of like cooking, right? You throw lots of ingredients in, more and more equals more flavour and complexity is good. Um, and then, you know, when you get into bigger breweries and stuff like that, you know, you tend to see things are simplified a lot and that's mm. you know, it's about making it easy and repeatable and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, that experience gave me a new lens and that was something that sort of I brought in when I came back in there is looking at recipes and pulling a few apart and, you know, questioning the role of, certain ingredients that might have been in there and that sort of thing. And, you know, does it have a place? Does it make a difference? Are we just right. putting it in there? Does it feel good to do it or is it actually translating into the end product? Mm-hmm. So that, that was that was a big part of that, um, that initial piece there coming in and sort of, you know, trying to set us up um, around what we were doing. Um, and then, you know, we, we looked at different projects, like we had some expansion projects on the, uh, mm-hmm. on the on the horizon and stuff. And then, you know, we had to refocus in, in response to you know what the market was doing and, and that. So um, just uh, we've, we've had a crack at a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we have. There's, there's been a lot of um, effort put into getting better and getting smarter. I'd say is probably the way to <laughs> both of those things concurrently. It's a big focus uh, on
2: quality as well. You know, yeah, um, yeah, quality is probably a big one. That's a actually. huge one, that's, and um, you know, it's like it, you're a brewer. You understand quality is important. Um, it never becomes more important than when you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and you we know, like had
1: some problems yeah. last year. Like that, it, it took us a long time to get to the bottom of it. We did, um, and, and the outcome was an incredibly strong quality program that we have here now so um both upstream and downstream so um you know in terms of management and control um we uh you know we've changed a number of things that um i suppose other breweries uh our size are doing but most probably aren't um and i'd argue that we're probably ticking every box we could at our size now we're damn close so just things like ATP swabbing and, um, and having a lab for, um, for positive release processes and testing and um, and having better sensory processes. And so just a lot of things that kind of elevate our confidence over um, the product that's fine and swelled to the consumer. Um, but then also how we're making it every step of the way and ensuring that it's actually, if, if there's ways that we've created risk Identifying it and managing
2: that risk. So, um, always oh, critical control point awareness yeah, and, and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. No, getting, getting a really good handle and understanding on where the battles won or lost and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's been yeah, really it's, good. It's been, you know, I, I think back to geez, when we first
1: started Bad chapter 2015, 2016, we our quality control is a pH measurement, right? Like
2: a, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> back, was back when I was very hydrometer, there, right? Not that everyone was, had that, a pH yeah.
1: measurement. Yeah. Like. <laughs> And now, you know, like we, we slowly evolve from that to, uh, you know, doing a bit of CO2 testing and getting a density meter. And then suddenly you're doing uh, neo testing and you're doing CO- better, proper CO2 testing and you're adding in a lot more uh, lab-based uh, after-the-fact tests like cell counts and stuff. And, and every, every day you get a little bit better. But now, I feel like we're ticking, like... We're running a pretty good race, and, and it's it's taken time, but I have a pretty high level of confidence over what we can pull together in our small brewery and put on the shelf um, because of it. So yeah, that, that's probably a,
2: a huge win. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good um, it's been it's been a good focus through that period, like where the expansion opportunities didn't come off. Yeah, had they come off, it would have been at the expense of those things. and yeah. now we're in a much better, stronger space where. You know, when it's time for those opportunities to present again, we're much more capable to take it on and be successful with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like a better foundation and and sort of like tightened everything up so then when the opportunities come, you're like, All right, we're actually better, better prepared and I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Can you explain Bend on what those expansion opportunities could be or was, was it just more like just growth in the market like distro or something like that or was there actual like you know secondary locations or things both. like
1: that? both um so yeah so um the broader so kind of during covid we held and grew our volume uh, based particularly on a retail side so the the packaged component, obviously with lockdowns, draft wasn't there, but our total volume continued to accelerate and grow. And our expectation was we'd continue to see that. So we invested in um, maximizing the capacity um, and capability of our technology um, on site in a small footprint, um, and which we still have, and, and we are doing that. Um, but the expectation was to leverage that um, into a position where we're past capacity and use that available volume to, to have confidence in a larger production facility and roll straight into it. So, that, that was the intention. Um, the, uh, the market you know, retracted heavily in the past mm. 24 months. And so, we still run near capacity, and we do have some capacity now, but we we're hitting points and even then, we we we're pulse it and out. And Brick does make some of our beer from time to time. If if our tanks in a certain month or a period of turnovers of our tanks can't manage it, we, we do punt beers over to them to make. Um, but it's not at full three sixty five seven capacity in here now. Um, so there was a retraction. So that that kind of pinched us. And then um, the other thing that did come up was opportunistic. Expansion that was specific. So, um, the biggest one for us was, um, do you, know, do you know Moondog? Yes, yes. the Moondog was yes. that big ass place they built. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of big ass, there's a few yeah. more big ass they've gone. but um, there are uh, quite a large independent brewery here, and um, anyway, um, they have now seen through our the opportunity we had at hand, but we uh, we uh, attended a signing meeting um, to expand to a um, 1,300 seat venue at Marvel Stadium in the city. Um, we were that's, recruited.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. What What's that? What What did it used to be called? The, it was uh, Stadium. Indiana. It was Telus. Um, yeah. Telus so. That's how when it was Show when I left. Fuck. Long time ago. Yeah.
1: Way back. So yeah. But um, so that that location, I guess for the listeners in Canada, like that's just. Big fucking fifty thousand seat stadium that there's mm. a lot of sports. It's big and, and, and events. So, um, but right on the concourse of that, there's a, a huge double thirty story tower going up, and at the base of that, that a huge retail space, and they wanted to put a group up, and they recruited us actively, like heavily, and um, and we got to the point of um, signing off on it, and. Um, there were just some pretty restrictive clauses and, and elements in there that um, that my wife, uh, Danny and I, we co-founded Badge up in together. we walked away from it and said, we have to walk from this opportunity. It's not right mm. for us. Gotcha. Um, so we did, um, and then in a span of about, geez, under eight weeks, possibly six, I don't know, it was pretty quick, um, Moondog had suddenly announced that they were doing the same opportunity. So I think they, when What's we the walked thing? away... Okay. They did, and they are opening there. So yeah, okay, um, yeah. So um, they're also opening a place, a really large place in Frankston, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Footscray. In, in Footscray at uh, Franco Cotto's. Um, oh, because like I it? heard he
3: passed.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, he
1: passed, that, um, yeah. yeah, so he's, they're opening three new places all at
0: once. Um, wow. So they're um, That's they're crazy. really active
3: right now.
1: Um, but that anyway, dangerous?
0: that was. Specific opportunity. Right? Different, different. Okay, interesting. That's a whole other conversation, I guess, as far as like, is that a dangerous decision in this market? Three new, but I've never heard anything like that. That's insane.
1: Yeah, and three huge ones. They're all really big. So they, they clearly have some pretty deep pockets or access. I was going to say, yeah. Now, Where's
0: that Moondog yeah. World? Where is that one? Uh, Reservoir. Reservoir, yeah. Reservoir. Oh, yeah. Northern, suburbs. Okay. northern
2: suburbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That place yeah, okay. is huge as well. Well, but um, yeah. hey,
1: yeah, power to them. Uh, If it goes well, I wish him well. Like,
2: that's you know. That and, and, yeah. and we very cut my commute down to like, yeah. like five minutes. <laughs> oh, we,
1: yeah. We also had another yeah. one too. Yeah. Because the
2: old, um, the old uh, public brewery God, went up uh, to talk, talk about like full circle. Oh, yeah. um, the old, pub, the old I saw public this. brewery. Um, yeah, we, basically. It went, uh, went, went up for sale and uh, we were very close to buying the production side yeah. uh, for that. During um, the
1: same time when we were crusting at the max of capacity, yes. we looked
2: yeah. at uh, expanding there. Um,
0: 3.1,
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, Derek, Derek's always like you know, <laughs> giving, giving, giving me a hard time about, uh, you know, how how arduous his community yeah, is. Yeah, my seven-minute commute. <laughs> and, uh, I, I leave out the other side, out in the eastern suburbs, and uh, then we went went out to a meeting out the site to have a look at it, and. We left at the same time and I sent him a text message When I hit my driveway. Five minutes, mate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You'll never see me again if we get this. Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I can't
2: even I'll tell them anymore if we get this. I can't put it yeah. into ways. It's gone.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm based it's
1: just, here. It's awesome. <laughs> it's a, that one was also an opportunity that got all the way to the point. We'd even sign a letter of intent and we had a lease in front of us and we walked. So it was very similar. Um, yeah, in fact, actually, he, he We didn't walk.
2: Did they walked. Yeah, yeah
1: because we had... We we had a couple of things that we would not compromise on, so it fell over as well. But they're they're both very advanced.
2: And happening at
0: the same is, time in parallel. They were largely as it was well. probably... Would you say it worked out for the best based on the economy and the market and all yeah. that stuff? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Go on, sorry, bro.
1: Just, it, it kind of we were experiencing pretty serious retraction and we had to run through some, some tough times. So like during that period, we were also trying to manage the pressures um, and our awareness of how much things were retracting kind of, it, it made us less confident to lean in on some of the pressure points that we were receiving from these from both of these opportunities. They, they just, they were a bridge too far. Um, and in a probably a more aggressive bull market of craft beer, I think we probably would have accepted those mm-hmm. risks, but they just weren't we weren't amenable given the given the market. And how we were performing. As well.
0: Gotcha. Oh, look, man, you gotta you gotta do what's best for you. know I mean, I guess it sounds like it worked out pretty sweet in the end for where you guys are at. And I imagine if you know Moon are doing all of these things, and you know that opportunity came up, there's going to be more opportunities. And and That's so. How it's done. Yeah, right. There's always more. Someone said to me the mm-hmm. other day that like the market, and this is about here, but I imagine this applies to everywhere, that the market has to contract in order for it to expand again. Because we yeah. went through a craft beer boom across the globe that was unprecedented. No one had seen anything like it. Then all of these other global factors came in that for one of the first times arguably in history like affected the whole world basically at yeah. the same time in the same way. And- yeah. Therefore, that's just really a matter of time before, like obviously we're going through, and it sounds like from what you're saying, that Australia is is dealing with the exact same shit time that Canada's dealing with, that uh, the states are dealing with, that I imagine Europe is dealing with, etc., um so it's just more like it's like you guys have taken that time instead of sort of expanding you've been able like you were saying tighten up processes get everything where it needs to be so when you do expand you're in a much better place for that to be sustainable profitable and just more successful top to bottom which is like a blessing in disguise i guess yeah
1: it is it is and and you're um the, the important thing is to have your team on board with that though right because we can understand that but you know you take it a step step away, and it kind of feels like there's just pressure and and and, and frustration and market retraction. And everything it's quite heavy um, mm. with your team. So it's, it's it's communication and taking them on that journey of yeah. So we need to be looking, seeing through it, and how we are competitive 12 months from now or six months from now, and why as the market resets, we'll we'll be in a position of strength and and continue to communicate and, and reinforce that. With your team otherwise it can be quite heavy mm-hmm. so it's that's a journey that we're still taking ourselves on and we do our best to keep on keeping that conversation going because it's easy for for us to sit here and say we know why we're doing it but when somebody else looks and goes that tank sitting empty and i know the markets are attracting and, and 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 you know it feels heavy and scary so yeah. it's sort of you know we kind of have to have that journey together Right, so, so people getting nervous for their jobs, I guess, is what you're saying, type of thing, or yeah. for the jobs, for for the economy, for the for the market, for um, yeah, for for kind of and just kind of the joy of your of your employment, right? You want to you mm-hmm. want to enjoy it, so of um, yeah, so it, it's just important to add a little bit of purpose and, and, and vision to things. So um, mm-hmm. otherwise, it gets yeah, I mean, it gets heavy for all of us with that one. Yeah,
0: man. I couldn't imagine yeah. being where you guys are at. Like, you know, we had, like I was saying, we have a business, but ours is digital. So our, uh, uh, what's the word? Just the general expenses are nothing compared to what you guys have got. Like, you know, millions yeah. of dollars typically in these spaces and machines. And like, we can do it. We've got one employee and some contractors. Like you guys have full teams and all, you know, it's like, I very much, um, empathize. And, and with, with the, what's going on, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, I've known you guys for a what long time and like meeting, I know people here and I'm like, these people, are my friends dealing with this shit. This is fucking crazy, man. Like, this is so Ooh. wild. And it's, it's such a scary time. I don't think you're like exaggerate. It is a scary time and you do have to bring the team members. They have to understand what's going on, I guess. And I imagine, I don't know, in my experience forever, everybody seems to know that it's touch and go t- t- for a bit. And There's, Going to be some L's along the way. There's going to be some of your favorite breweries that might not make it through for whatever reason, whether the landlord puts up the rent or tax pressure gets too much or Distro isn't paying on time or whatever it might be. There's like sometimes like one little thing that just, you know, topples everything over. And it's uh, there's always a straw that breaks
2: the camel's back. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, been man. a lot of 12, 8, eight months and a yeah. lot to come. Yeah.
1: And there's the been so many breweries have gone through.
0: Talk talk to us about that in Australia compared to sort of – you know maybe you guys are familiar with here, but there's been a whole bunch. We've done episodes on it, and it's very sad to just – like it was so easy. I spent like five, ten minutes researching, and I had a list like this long of all the ones who were closed, merging, whatever it was. I was like, Jesus Christ. This is just in the – that was just 2023 I did. I didn't do any further. I was like, this is insane. And mostly just locally, like Ontario. I did did a little bit around Canada, but that was it. So I imagine – australia is probably suffering from the same level of uh you know hits yeah. um possibly more, maybe not yeah.
1: i don't know I, i'm not close enough to the ontario market or canadian market but you know so over the past during during COVID, it was i, I like to look i looked at it through two lenses like during COVID, it was actually it was quite cushy and and safe as, mm-hmm. as a general there was a, a big safety blanket there where, where the government here gave um, the big thing they gave out was a thing called JobKeeper, where effectively they uh, funded the wages of people, or the gotcha. vast majority of their wages, so it didn't cost a lot to carry people, um, and uh, and and there was a lot of acceptance of postponing any government obligations in terms of liabilities, so GST collections, uh, collections of, of uh, employment withholding taxes. Um, excise taxes, all those sorts of things. You didn't have to remit it. You could gotcha. hold on to it, use it to fund your losses. Um, so there was a lot, a lot of support, a lot of relief. It was the period immediately after the COVID lockdowns ended, and you know,
0: Melbourne was –
1: I think With the, long- that long- the longest lockdowns in
0: the world, it was something else. Not there. the longest like the second longest, so it was, huge. It was like it was long Melbourne long. and Quebec because I was in Quebec at the time and it was, it, it was, like it was fucked. yeah. You guys were always, we always talked about how bad you guys were, but we had these crazy curfew. You guys were just like, oh, there's two cases called cool, closed down, and you guys would just go on off, on off, on off, on off. It was crazy, but then you yeah. also were in sports stadiums when we went allowed into a park. Yeah, yeah. So like it was both. And at first it seemed like you guys had it right. And then I was like, Oh, that's kind of, and everyone back home seemed to be any mad about it. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And then looking at Quebec, we had like 8 PM curfews and I live next to the mountain in Montreal. So I could see from my balcony, like cop cars driving through the park, arresting people in parks or whatever the fuck they were. It was like, honestly, it was it was pretty ridiculous. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. I think at the, the two cities were the two craziest places. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> well, yeah, because we were similar. We had <laughs> yeah, and the craziest yeah, five kilometer yeah. limits. Anyway. Yeah. But so oh, you it, guys had the limits. Your mum told me about that. Yeah, you had to have, you went to the doctor, minutes. you had to have a note or some shit if you got pulled yeah, over. It's, like, 7
1: to 8 p.m., you could be out um, and you had a five kilometer limit and you couldn't leave. The Melbourne CB, the Melbourne city limits, there was a what they call a ring of steel, so you weren't allowed to go into the retail
3: areas.
2: Ring of steel,
3: there. oh
1: goodness, yeah, okay, yeah, and I didn't
2: really hold it I needed to carry a permit because I was doing shift work, <laughs> yeah. so you know, I'd be I was traveling way further than, uh, than where I lived yeah. and out of hours, like, yeah,
0: yeah. So you had that's to awesome. like ring of steel, that's the first time I heard that. Sorry, that is hilarious in hindsight, like at the time, you're like. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. But you're, now it's like, yes. are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Like, what that, is this, fucking you know, like this Iron Man? Is,
1: yeah, yeah that, that was a period where obviously it was pretty bad. Um, and But it was there was a lot of safety and a lot of you know, help. And um, and then as we started to emerge out of it, all the vaccinations became the important thing and, and kind of letting the, 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 the COVID do its thing while people were vaccinated, reducing the risk. And um, right at that point, it was pretty hard Switch that turned off in terms of support. So all of the job people was gone, all of the relief was gone. The remittances had to be turned off and paid immediately. And it's like boom, boom, boom. Everything happened over 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 one, all at once. And then at the exact same time, um, there was this virtual lockdown where and nobody went out. So we went through a period there where nobody would come into our place. We'd have like seven people come in on a Saturday all day long. Right, so we're still carrying full wages and and still brewing, and and so we're going through all this stuff. Where and nobody's walking in the door at the same time. So it was this weird period where we ran really really heavy losses, um, and we had no support. So and then we at the exact same time they had the ATL putting their hand out, going, "Pay me, pay me now." We gave you the relief. It's time for you to pay us now. So. and we're going to go, well. We're, we're running negative cash flow, and you're asking us to pay you. Um, in fact, we're actually going to do the opposite. We can't pay our current responsibilities. And I think every brewery went through that at the same time. And we all had this mass issue of expectation that everything would go back to normal. It didn't, um, and we had all this these debt obligations from a period where we were supported that we had to pay at the same time. And and then the industry retracted further, and and everybody kind of started reverting back to the norm and buying pale ales and lagers and and um, ready to drink alcoholic beverages and stuff. And so we lost a lot of market share. Um, and so we, we hurt again there, and and everybody felt this mass retraction and pain. And then the cost soared, and and we couldn't really pass that on because everybody was switching back to these cheaper cost alternatives. So then our margins hurt, and so we had, we had pressure in in a million different places, and. Um, and, and what happened was we, we ended up in a point where um, the, the breweries all just, it was no longer tenable. You couldn't carry your long term repayment obligations. Let, you, you couldn't carry your own, own, like, it was hard to remain p- profitable, let alone pay debt that related to a period that was years ago. Um, and so over the past kind of 12, 18 months, there's been, I don't know, north of 20, possibly north of 30 breweries that, I, that, that are even publicly we know about that have gone through either closure, um, a pause, a consolidation being eaten up by somebody else, or the most common one has been a thing called um, a voluntary administration, which um, doesn't exist in Canada. No. The closest thing would be the first level of bankruptcy in the U.S., so it's not quite, bankruptcy sounds quite scary, it's not bankruptcy. It's actually a pause where you get the chance to uh, restructure your finance. Um, and we went through that as a business um, at Bad Shepherd last year amongst all those breweries. So there's a lot right. more still to come. Um, but what happens is um, you, you admit that you can't fulfill your debt responsibilities, um, and an administrator is appointed, and they come in and they decide what's right for the business. Um, and they make one of three choices. They either liquidate the business... Um, they give it back to you and say you can figure it out, or they accept a proposal that gives settlement to creditors that's better than liquidation. Um, In our case, um, they did not feel it was right to give it back to us, they did feel it required restructuring. Um, And so they reviewed what liquidation meant, um, and then we offered a proposal of uh, uh, of settlement on debt that was um, reduced. And restructured. Um, and then so they accepted that, recommended the creditors, it was voted on, accepted, and we settled upon that. And we've emerged now with the business back in our hands. So um, that was, um, that yeah, it was terrifying. a tough talk- on the other side it was terrifying <laughs> yeah um we did and i um succeeded complete control of the business and um a guy came in here and ran it and um and he was good he was, he was quite uh professional and nice and and respectful and and you know they did a great job of it um but
0: um yeah it's scary because yeah, sorry to catch you, what do you mean come in and run the business like literally
3: <laughs>
0: handle everything and just make decisions and stuff like just like and you're just sitting there watching some guy from the government run your business well,
1: every administrator will handle it differently so what happens is an administrator's responsibility at that point you, you you're declaring insolvency so you're saying i our cash flow cannot meet their the, uh, the debt responsibilities when they fall due um and so when you admit that as a director you have responsibility to do so if you don't you then tra- you're trading insolvent this is like fraud um and at that point you can be sued as a director mm. um so when we admit that then an administrator is appointed administrators all have different approaches we did this voluntarily. You can get to a point where you are forced into doing it. And that's things like receivership. And it gets a lot more scary. Ours was voluntary. We appointed somebody. But they have to act in the interest of the creditor, not of us. So they come in and they say, what is the best thing for creditors right now? And then so they, they say, we're going to take away control from you. And we're going to make sure we make the right decision in their interest. But what control means is different to every administrator because they want the best outcome. The administrators we appointed, they trusted us to continue to manage day to day, and they set some boundaries. and I can't recall what There was something like, "Hey, anything under five thousand dollars, if it's necessary for trade, just do it, and give me a report on how things are going." So he had, he had some sort of rules like that, and asked for day to day reports and kind of he talked to me every day, but. Um, but kind of said, just keep going, keep running the business, and we'll review your numbers and we'll talk about what we can do. So, okay. and that was, that was his approach. But other administrators can come in and go, look, I need you to leave. I don't want you around. I'm going to run this. I will uh-huh. decide what's right. So, every administrator is a little bit different.
2: Um, okay. We have ones that fit for our culture. Right. Think, and it'll so. depend on the, the type of business as well. Yeah. You know, like some businesses are going to be easier to come in and, and, and run from the outside. Yeah. But, you know, Brewing is fairly niche. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you've got to know the, the industry There's better experts in the that are in the business That's to yeah. help continue it to be successful. So yeah, and it's it's pretty sudden too. The um,
1: if, it, if they do decide to liquidate and the creditors vote for that it's like it's extremely sudden like they close can you just
0: to explain them. what excuse the maybe one-on-one questions just maybe for me because i haven't really heard of this before and i imagine the canadians wouldn't like you said either when you say liquidate that means they're like we are selling off your fermenters we're selling your tap handles we're selling your chairs fire oh, sale yeah fire sale
1: mobile in an Just, effort to recover,
2: to recover whatever money, off, uh, money you what can out of the business. So. To pay off
0: the whoever government. you owe, which is probably the government yeah. mostly from their subsidies and shit.
2: Yes. Who, exactly.
0: the, the the people who come to run the business, do they work for the government? No. No. They're, no they're private. They're a, private companies – this is insane. Private companies exist, and they have people that are then appointed by whom? Like who, who by sort us. of – It buy, depends on
1: – where you are in what stage for us, we did this voluntarily. So we appointed them. So you
0: right. can choose the company.
2: That fit yeah. best for us. But you can be forced
0: into you administration forced.
2: by your, your creditors. And if they it, decide for you. Yeah, exactly. That point, that's we that's we it. So like most things, if you opt in, it's generally it's better.
0: better. <laughs> so you, yeah. does the Australian, so people know the ATO, you've said that a few times, the Australian tax office, which Australia, is the CRA. Australia,
3: Australia, Canada.
0: CRA the IRS, whatever, the tax people, yeah. they tell you, all right, you have to do this, go find a company, go choose. Is that what it is? Like, who's yeah, telling yeah, you to yeah, do, do this? That's
1: not what happened with us. Yeah. So generally, um, it, whenever you have any debt outstanding to somebody, if, if you cannot repay it when it falls due, then there's always recourse. In, in some sort of capacity legally, in the Western world anyway. Um, and in Australia, um, for the most part, the first step is to prove that somebody is therefore insolvent. And insolvent, by definition, in Australia means you cannot make your payments to, for debt when they fall due. Okay. Um, and for most businesses here, it's either bank debt um, in the form of mortgage or some sort of other loan, or responsibilities to the Australian tax office. In our case, that's what it was. We were current with our suppliers for trade. their small balances, but it really wasn't a thing. It was the debts that were related to the COVID and immediate post-COVID period. Um, and so the Australian tax office was pushing us very hard to make some sort of uh, uh, completion of... Uh, settlement and payment of our debts. And they wouldn't allow us to go beyond 36 months in terms of repayment. That was
0: their their terms. Which Um, means that the monthly payments would be so high that it was still untenable for you to be able to make that. None of this
1: business was less Mm -hmm. than what they wanted. It was mathematically impossible. So we we first tried to go back and say, we can do it over seven years. We can prove it. We can give us security. We'll pay somebody else externally to prove that. We, We tried everything and they just said no. No, no.
0: Is and that so we, someone just, who was a dick, or is that like that's just, just how it there,
1: is? No. I, I think there's it's public policy. Maybe you policy. can't say
0: that. I could say it. you know what I'm saying like is it somebody was just being stubborn as a no, you know? I, I don't think it is. Maybe,
1: but I think it has a lot more with public policy. And, and you would have the same thing with Revenue Canada, IRS, whatever it is. It's going to be whatever the pressure points are for the government and their policy, right? So in this case, the government has a has a need to. I think in Australia, you get quickly away from the stench of all the COVID losses and issues. So one of the ways to do it is to accept a bit of losses from smaller businesses. And clear, the, the, the term that our administrator is using was clear the decks. Like they're kind of looking going, okay, we've got billions of dollars of all these legacy things. I don't care if some of them maybe could work something out. Some couldn't get them gone. So either make them pay it. Or force them in administration, wipe the debt off the
0: books, and we need to move on. We need we need to reset the, the industry and the economy. So, so they had positive intent as far as like let's keep these businesses going, as opposed to hey, let's wipe out small businesses.
3: Uh,
1: I
0: think they have positive intent Mix. to reset the economy. I don't know okay. that it's
1: about specific business. I think they're okay with uh, my view. I'm going to be careful. When I say this, but I believe that they are okay with some collateral damage. I think they're okay with it because they view. People will then reset and go into businesses that are profitable and don't have the legacy debt. And, and it lets us start moving forward again. So interesting.
0: But interesting. I, I don't know. So, no, no this is, this is fa- Thank you for being so honest about all this because this is fascinating to me. And like, I've learned, like, I think I was telling you guys off air, like our mortgage, we got fucked on that. Um, it's like the more I learn about this stuff, the more it pisses me off because yeah. it's not real. We're humans. Money isn't real. We made money, which means you can yeah. not make these things happen to not fuck real life people over for fake
1: versus reality it's a social construct. Yeah. So yeah.
0: it's like it's- I think it's really opened I feel like I knew this, but like I didn't didn't affect my life. So I didn't really pay enough attention. And then it started to affect my life. And if the podcast specifically, I'm talking to so many people and getting this really wild perspective of an industry I really care about. And it's, it just pisses me off because it's just so fake. It's just like we had the loan out here. We were able to pay it for our business. I know other breweries that are like, we can't pay it. They had this one here. It's called a C- CEBA, a loan. And it was 60 grand, which really isn't that much. And I'm talking, we got that, but then a brewery got that. And a brewery might cost a million dollars, and we don't have any very many expenses. So, if you even think about that, that's crazy. And if you paid the 40 grand of the 60 by January 18th this year, then you got to keep the 20. So, we did that because we put the money aside. We used it to help us get through COVID at times. And then We were able to pay it off in time. Once we sort of got okay, we put the money aside, so we're able to pay it, and they got to keep the 20. Cool. Most breweries were not able to do that. So now they're at uh, whatever the interest rate is. I think originally it was 5%, but that was before interest rates went up. So I don't know what it is. But then they're sort of stuck paying that when, like, they're begging, begging for... um, relief and just like i don't know give it give it some more time it's it's just so crazy and they just would rather like you said collateral damage it's like i understand that things need to keep going but it's also not real so like i feel like there must be some sort of it's an extenuating circumstance it's pretty crazy so yeah, it should take a pretty crazy response like let's make people yeah. last you know, I don't great, know. So-
1: Covid, we never missed a payment to the government. I mean, we never pay, pay with anybody. We're never late with anybody. We're not like it, you run a Should be, should be enough to show that you Couldn't know th- this more. is entirely and entirely driven by something out of our control. So you know, give us just and here's the thing. You know, uh, it, this is where it comes. To, what frustrates me is it does come down to government policy and um and in a in a public. Uh, a public perception, as opposed to a private industry, a private business that takes a bit more of a, a realistic view. If I come to you, Craig, and I owe you a million dollars, and I go, and you have a you have a term, you, you need to be paid thirty six months ago. I'm just not going to ever do it. Um, I, I can't figure it out. But I'll I'll give it to you over seven years, and I'll give you security over everything in here to be sure. If it goes wrong, well, you can still take that. You take it. You take it in a heartbeat, right? You would. But you go to a government policy-driven behemoth that has larger things at play, then they'll look at it, and go, "Well, no, you know, I have I have a broader policy that I need to see through, so I'm not going to accept that, even though I know that it. It's the right thing for you. It's not the right thing for everything that we need to have responsibility for, right? So, and this is this is where private versus public." It, it,
0: the, the clash of it, and we got caught in that, right? So, gotcha. The interesting yeah. thing to me, man, is like, and I know you got, you mentioned collateral damage, and I get it to a degree because shit's going to happen, but I know in Canada at least we lost like 10,000 restaurants across the country. and Restaurants probably got hit harder than anyone. Like breweries, and I forget the stats, and I don't know the Australian stats, but I looked at the Canadian stuff, and even the percentage of craft breweries compared to the macro breweries, like the amount that it drives – for the country or at least even the province is like in the hundreds of, it was like nearly a billion dollars i think if i'm not mistaken and the amount of people of households that are supported by the craft beer industry yeah,
1: directly there's there's a ripple effect right and indirect
0: yeah. i was talking just normal then there's indirect then there's hop suppliers yeah. yeast can suppliers the whole shit right <laughs> cars and yeah. exactly the it's, food vendors all this shit the, the yeah. musicians who play right at the bars like all of this i'm like you are willing to fuck all of these people over over some money that we paid you anyway that you're not fixing the roads and healthcare is fucking horrible here i'm like ontario sucks all of the dick i really thought it was going to be great and it's it's not good bro. i'm dealing <laughs> with it like i've dealt with it's horrible and i thought quebec was bad ontario is so bad i'm like yeah Medicare was better in Australia. Like I'm like, this is insane to me, bro. Like this is like like and I'm probably being too logical and people are like, Man, you're expecting too much. And I'm like, I'm being naive and whatever, and I completely understand that. It's just I didn't pay attention before and I'm just like, I'm I I don't like things that aren't logical. And I'm like, this is not how you run a world that don't you wanna live in a world where people thrive? And the only reason people aren't thriving is because something that we created and, and assigned value to, such as money, is being allocated in such a way that we have people fucking sleeping in the park, and I'm sure you guys do too, and they're driven people to kill themselves and driven to people live in cars and start fucking heroin or whatever. Like, this is, like insane this is insane like it's so crazy and it's like it comes back to that policy policy these more human-made rules that they're just like no 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 it's all we have to do i know this is a fucking beer podcast i'm not a politics one but it pisses me off because it's really it's fucking with breweries man like it's fucking with an industry that we all here care about and there's real people you guys hire you guys like employ and take care of so many people and it's such a community hub and i know it's alcohol and it's a sin and there should be syntax and blah blah blah. cool but like It's just, it's not, it it just doesn't feel intelligent or thoughtful or coming from a place of like logic or reality. And it's, (laughs) I am preaching to the choir right here, right? We're 100% agreeing
3: everything
1: you (laughs) say.
0: It's just, it's not fair. I I really uh, like when I first saw the thing online about where you, I I was like, my heart dropped when I first uh, saw it because I didn't know what it meant. So thank you for explaining that. in detail and it sounds like it's a pretty decent I mean, even though what i just said like it's not like everything's ridiculous but as far as the ridiculousness is concerned it's a it's a reasonable solution and it sounds like you guys handled it very professionally and uh in the best way possible to be able to continue to the point where that's why it made me extra to be honest that's why it made me extra happy because i think i saw that and then i'm like but you're in the lcpo let's fucking go like <laughs> like this is great like this is like wait, you know, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's right. i don't know i was just like you yeah. wouldn't be putting you wouldn't be bothering to do all of that if this really terrible thing was happening uh back home yeah. right so i was like okay this is a, a net positive arguably
1: it is it is and you know we're, we're you know we're not out of the weeds yeah we still have a lot of things to do but i think all that stuff we when we first talked about vision and, and purpose and the journey we're on, and having everybody clear on what we're trying to achieve mm. as a team and as an industry, we're, we're, we're living to that, and that's that's what it led us all the way back to while well, we've got this financial reset. So yeah, I, I've, I'm never going to be as confident as I was pre-COVID because the market just isn't that anymore. But I feel good about our intentions, and I but mm. I believe we are
0: on the right track to get there. We just have to keep communicating. Just got to stay the course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's a really good thing. Do you think that's really that's really the answer? Like, it's just stick it out, and then it's gonna kind of pan out how it needs to. Whether we are, like I said, we we're saying earlier, like we might lose some more you, got, the- you can't just
2: you can't just stick it out. You've got to make smart yeah, decisions. You know, like type. so we we spend a hell of a lot of time looking at things like you know stock on hand. Live and die by it, right? So the mm. cash flow. So while sitting here in the warehouse, all it's done is cost us money. It doesn't earn us anything until it's sold, right? So it's finding those, Keep trying to keep that right balance in there um, mm. so you're not too far ahead, but you can meet your retail requirements and stuff in a timely manner because the last thing you want to do is be out of stock on something and mm. someone wants it. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's that constant balance there. In a in a market which is a fucking fairy tale, it's almost near impossible to forecast. So yeah. you know, you, you put best in best foot forward, best intent around it, and you'll never get it right yeah. um, at the best of times, particularly in this current market. And then you're trying to keep workforce engaged when yeah. while you're busy, you know, ripping things out of the schedule. Like brewers know, if your tank's empty and you're not filling it you know you're not busy. Like, it's, a, it's pretty telling. Um, it's yeah. a, it's as simple as that, you know. So if you're you, – you can't just stay the course and hope for the best. You've got yeah, to yeah. be making smart decisions through there because, you know, if you've got a warehouse full of stock and there's nowhere for it to go, cash flow is just going to run negative again. It's as simple as that.
0: So, gotcha. Yeah. So it's have the sales folks there and, like, have events and, you know, encourage people to come into the tap room because that's well, it's what
2: just Everyone working as a team, right? Like, you know, being being aware of what's happening in the market, talking to your customers, looking at, you know, your 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 run rates and stuff, and and planning accordingly, and you know, hoping that there's upside off the back of it.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so I totally get it now. But look, look, it sounds like there's like a you guys' attitude is is awesome. Um, it sounds like you guys have got a really great working relationship, and like you're really sort of thoughtful in your approach you're taking care of the team you are making high quality product uh that's innovative and fun and and also you know gateway as well because i always felt like you guys were a great gateway brewery like you know with the vic pale ale and stuff like that and um just a really like i went there before i met i well i knew you Brenda, but uh, you were not there at the time i went in 2018 i did an interview with will uh, of uh, crafty pint he interviewed me which was oh. awesome i was stoked about that because like i only yeah. started this stuff over here and we chose to go we had a chat one of the tables inside and it was uh it was awesome and i was like cool this is great this place is awesome my my my, my aunt and uncle told me about it, you guys i believe and um he suggested i was like oh, i'm going to be in moorabbin he's like oh bad Shepherds in town." i'm like sweet let's go around the corner um really? so i got to experience you know, it, the tap room is a vibe it's it's a cool ass place and um it's super welcoming got the wicked patio outside and stuff in the front and on the side there um yeah man i'm really happy to hear that it's if I'm interpreting everything correctly, it feels like there's a, uh, a positive outlook for 2024 and beyond. And whether that means writing some stuff out for a bit, which sounds like kind of everybody needs to do that. And then moving into that next phase. Once if the market continues to contract and and shit happens and it is what it is, and then come out the other side. All right, let's go, you know? Yeah. And be ready to ready to
1: be nimble again, where you have to, yeah, you know, the, the, the idea of beer as a as a product has evolved and, and what does that mean? And that's what, when we first started, that's what we talked about, is that journey of coming all the way back to you know traditional styles and then building on upon it again. And what does that mean now? So you know, what are people drinking? How how are we delivering to that expectation? And it's evolved, like it's evolved about R T D is here now, and it's all about um, it's all about pale ales and longers. Well that's today. But 12 months from now, that might change again. So it's being prepared as we come out of it to respond well. And that's one of the learnings we had was you know, we, we probably dragged our feet in the wrong places. I think a lot of breweries did. Um, some did better than others. But I think we're a lot more prepared to be responsive as the market shifts and perhaps even lead some of it if we identify the opportunities. So, yeah, and that's I think that's the next step for us is getting ready for that and being organized for it.
0: Hell yeah! That was kind of my like next question was like so what's what's the future hold sort of you know at least at the very least you know we're recording this in February first well February first here second over there you're in the future future. Um, (laughs) future. Um, hello yeah. (laughs) It, <laughs> look, it looks pretty sick in the future yeah. Let's <laughs> well a future exists that's all i can ask for um yeah. what's the yeah what what could people i mean obviously there's all of that, that stuff which is great and thank you for identifying that and like it looks like you know you've really you guys got a really thoughtful approach to what's next um from maybe the consumer side is there anything that people can expect uh, you know, obviously, we're looking at uh January 2025 for uh potentially a double drop in the LCBO. and then we're going to do another pod next year with the L Peanut Butter Porter as well as a double chuck. Um, what's popping for 2024? Is there anything sort of fun and exciting? Obviously, you people, maybe people in uh out here don't always think about it, but you guys are balls deep in summer out there. Uh, best time of year right now. Uh, I heard you had a rough summer though, I heard it's been hella rainy. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be this
2: blistering hot summer, but it has been one of the oh, wow. wettest. It's just been it just, insane. I think it's at like highs of 20 yeah. pretty much every day next oh, week. Oh, God. It's, it's, this weekend looks good. It's up. really hot Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, yeah, it's been all over the shop, even for Melbourne. It's been all over the shop. Yeah, Melbourne, yeah, yeah, shop. Melbourne
0: yeah. is psycho. People don't here don't get it. Melbourne is psycho. The weather is insane. It's nothing like it. And even the winters are um,
2: if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait five. You'll be fine. Maybe seven at most. <laughs> Things yeah. where It's like
1: 41 degrees and then like in the span of 15 minutes, it's 20. 20 yes. 20. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. give that example
0: all the time. Yeah, the beach. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's 40. Then it rains and there's like 22. like, oh fuck. Guess we're gonna lose. That's right. It just goes boom. Change. So. You forget how crazy it is because everyone. You know, the weather's not exactly normal here, but it's it's not that. It's really it's not. It's, Melbourne's yeah, that, white.
1: change. I didn't know until winter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I get
0: it. So, it's yeah. very unique. And I must always give Melbourne winter props. Melbourne winter sucks so hard. Like when we came in 2016, when we saw you, Brenda, I, I couldn't believe how much it sucked. And we talk about it here because we used to make fun of it. I'm like, oh, it's minus 40 in Montreal. Like, what am I going to do? Oh, no, it's five degrees and raining. No, it's miserable, bro. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's just... horrible. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't yeah. get it twisted. It's not nice. It's like London. It's terrible. Yeah, um, yeah it's just it's, it's a nothing temperature. Yeah, yeah it's just, uh Anyway, it's, well, look, it sucks right now. But though, I must say, Ontario is so much better than Quebec. Quebec is a nightmare. Here is soft in comparison. So it's been pretty miserable too, but in comparison, bro, barely snowed. It's, it's beautiful. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, what's yeah? What's popping with you guys? What's happening for the rest of the summer? Is there anything coming up for winter that just people could look forward to? Um, yeah, back got home to festival season. Yeah, so we've got, got a got few a big uh, festivals. festivals
2: coming up. So St. Kilda yeah. Beer Fest um, down on the foreshore there. And nice. The Gardens, that's always a good day, and then um, a big local uh, festival coming up the weekend after Morty Fest, which yeah. is just a massive two day party yeah. down there. Um, so, music, beer, yeah. some um, should be a good bit of fun. Yeah. Working on a couple of um, new products that we can't talk about just yet. Um, Pretty cool, though. But yeah, yeah. Just, just trying to sort of branch out in, in terms of what we're doing in response to you know, some of those market trends that we're seeing and, and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, just keep. Keep putting out the beers. We just, just drop the mango splice, and that seems to be yes. going well. Um, yeah. Just keep, keep moving on and, I guess, get ready for uh, for Gabs in uh, in May, great Australian beer. Spectacular. Yeah, um, yeah, it's always, always a bit of fun.
1: We do um, – we have more <laughs> – The uh, there's a big festival here called Good Beer Week, which
0: um, – Yeah. Changed this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got canceled. It's on a pause. Yes.
1: Yeah. So um, – and we always uh, – Pretty much the premier event in the last Saturday or the first Saturday, the opposite of you ever everyone at where it would fall. But we do a street festival here called Southeast Beer where we would invite breweries from right around the Southeast and the street festival, we'd have over a thousand people up and down our street. And fantastic event. But um but because that got paused, we put that on pause. But we're talking about maybe bring that back um later this year. If we do, that'll be that'll be big. Like that's that's our premier event
2: we do in the year so oh, um, maybe do it in a month that's not may and yeah we november we've maybe. done we've done so well every yeah. year but you've got to run out of luck like you're right when on the cusp of winter <laughs> roar
1: with the rain and, mm. yeah so that's a good point yeah so you know a few things that, like brenda said this products a couple products we can't really show them yet because they're pretty early but um kind of cool and, and fun um and, and but we'll also be bringing back some uh some old favorites, so we're figuring out what we do with double chalk. Um, might
2: give that a pause for this year, might not for so often. I also brewed there. a lot of it last year between the Easter release and then LCPO. And we did a double chalk variant for Gabs as well, we like a rubber fused a one. I did like three different yeah. versions of double chalk last year. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm chocked we out. <laughs> chop- <laughs> yeah,
3: so
1: yeah. yeah, so. And I think yeah, it's still more about probably get continuing to get things right for ourselves and and having a lot of joy with our patrons in the southeast. So supporting a lot of local causes and that sort of things in their effort. So
0: yeah, oh yeah, that's awesome, boys. Um, This has been great, man. Thank you both for for hanging out, taking the time in the middle of the afternoon, and drinking you know basically ten percent beers. So I appreciate yeah. that. I know it's a Friday though, so it's really
1: easy. <laughs> it's okay. Um,
0: there's too bad. but look, the, these beers are so great, man. I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm able to get this here. Like I really truly, like it means a lot to me personally, just cause it's like, I really always, even though I discovered craft beer properly over here, like it's where I'm from and I want to make sure I represent for that as much as possible. So to me being able to get this here and from you guys is even cooler. Um, this, you know this beer held up so well I just you know crush that like it's nothing I'm probably gonna be feeling this soon um uh, it's just it's really cool man congrats on everything even through the rough times you guys uh, it just got really you know I like your I love your attitudes man it's super positive and the way you're approaching everything is just really thoughtful and logical and uh man it's awesome it seems like there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up whether it's this year and you know some more stuff for the Canadians listening and watching like you know go grab the rest of this beer before it, it taps out uh, <laughs> it, won't, it
3: won't
0: be won't be too long and then hopefully you know uh next year which is perfect this, this beer obviously it's you know it's, it's shitty and cold here now so this this these type of beers are money you guys are probably drinking it in in reasonable weather and you know it's brick here so it's uh, it's perfect but um yeah boys this is awesome this is really cool uh very cool as well to catch up with both of you together it's uh wicked wicked very very cool i appreciate you both man thank you Oh, man.
2: Awesome.
0: Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us on. It's good to yeah. reconnect, man. It's been too long. It certainly yeah. has. Yeah, we'll have to um, get you out here and uh, and
1: do a bit of a virtual tasting a few of these. Yes. I would love to. What are you I mean? What's the...
0: For coming back? Yeah so i want okay this is the one thing right basically covid fucked my whole life up well fucked everybody's life i was coming back every around the same time about february march every year that was my plan i was going to do it every year and i was stoked to finally get in this rhythm and i i had a thing going then covid happened and then when we moved here we got a dog and we have never left him alone and we take him everywhere like we drove to like key west we stayed in Florida for a month and we drive him everywhere. Now, unfortunately, Australia has biosecurity laws and they make it's a dog go in the quarantine thing, which is 10 days, but like, I'm not like he will no, he's not, I'm not doing that to him. So what we were thinking, we're, we're trying to do a thing where we're building up the business. So I don't trying to travel to be able to figure out how to travel with him and, the idea right now, it, it's up in the air. It was my like me and my girlfriend go to either Hawaii or like Bali or something where that would let him in? I know Hawaii definitely does. I don't know about Bali. And then I would come down to Australia where she stays with the dog, and then yeah. um, just because like not because he can't leave him. Worst case, like he loves his grandma and uh, my girlfriend's cousin who works for us lives in Toronto, and he he's great with dogs, so we could do that, but. We just want to take him around because it's wicked and i want him to see i want him to meet my he hasn't met my mom like mom hasn't traveled or anything like that and he'd meet his grandma but um that was what we're thinking i really want to go back because the more honestly i had banks on the other week and now i'm talking to you guys i'm like ah oh, this it's kind of like i tried to i was telling my girlfriend like literally last time i was like i like to just pretend i don't want to go because it's easier like i'd be like yeah, yeah i don't care about going back i'm good because then i don't really think about it and i gotta get those emotions yeah. and push them right down but the more yeah. I talk to you guys. I'm, I want to, like, when I'm there, I just... Tug, tug t- on those ropes, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Stop. You're killing me, bro. Yeah. And I see the gay time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just have yeah. a box of gay times. and We're going to make a gay time stat. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like You can make a
2: gay time che- uh, cheesecake or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a man. nice little
0: yeah. pastry sour, like a nice little 12%. A little, maybe throw a little rum barrel or some shit. Okay. But yeah, no, I really want to come back. I think about it all the time. I'm like, I really, really do. So as the second I figure it out, like it, I'd be hollering at you guys. I'm also like averse to plane for like 16 hours. Like kill yourself. Fuck that. It yeah, seems yeah. like. They lose. It's gonna yeah. Work. I know. I go, Once you're up there, you just deal with it. But I haven't been on a plane since I think 2019. So I'm uh I don't know I forgot. I'm sure it'll be fine but I'm I am thinking about it regularly. So as soon as we figure it out like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to holler at you guys. Like I'm excited to just to get back. It's like once you're there and soak it up. I, I when you when I left I like I felt like you're there your whole life and you're like whatever and then every time I come back you're like Melbourne is one of the coolest cities in the world now it's the biggest in Australia so fuck you Sydney we are the biggest (laughs) what do you got a stupid bridge and a little fucking pointy house we got got culture we got food and beer and music and art and mullets the mullets the mullet there's a few dudes here I'm seeing mullets around here and I feel like you guys are my cousin always tells me he's like He's got two kids. They're like eighteen, so whatever. Like, they're both boys and got mullets. I was like, "What?" When he first showed me, like, "What are they doing?" And then he showed me the guy who plays for Flitz Grey, Bailey something Smith or something. Uh, uh, was, and then he, yeah, and he was like, "All oh, the girls love this guy." They want. I'm like, "What is this? Warwick Capper in like '88? Like, how was that uh, a thing?" And um, it's been very funny with like learning that, like, oh, like these. Crazy. Oh, you don't know work.
2: All this new again, yeah. Bro. Yeah, see, when you get to be
0: old guys like
2: us, you've seen it before, and it just comes, yeah, it comes back. I don't remember that, shit. yeah. <laughs> so, we're we
0: gonna get <laughs> it, wasn't good then, it absolutely was not. But we all need mullet, so I think that's gonna have yeah, to be yeah. the the prerequisite at the very least. Is grow the back out of there, boys, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm super excited. Um, let's take a quick uh, screenshot, um, holding up the beers real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up. Uh, I'll wrap this up, and we'll finish up uh, off air so we can uh, say bye. Let me screen this here. Hold these gorgeous cans. You, wanna, you got the cans there? Hold them up. There we go. Beautiful. Yep. There, you go. there you go. There you go. Ready? Champions. Boys, where can all the good people find uh bad Bad Shepherd uh online? What's the uh the website, the social dot com <laughs> yeah, search for Bad Shepherd double chalk hazelnut brown I love yeah,
1: that yeah. um in Australia. So yeah, it's
0: um and uh, Is know, it Bad like Shepherd any- beer on Instagram? Oh. I'll tell you. The boys, come that. on. Yeah, no, no. Bad Shepherd
2: Brewing uh, on uh, on Facebook. It's yeah. Bad Shepherd Brewing yeah.
0: Co. on Instagram. there you
2: go. There's that.
1: Yeah, and in uh, yeah, on Facebook as well. And yeah, we're in uh, all the national retailers here in Australia, um, plus all the independents and and our brewpubs open every day. So Love it. Seven days a week. In barbecue. Seventeen beers on top. Come hungry because you'll leave full. <laughs>
0: that's, oh, I love that. So, that's that's a tagline right there. Um, boys, this is awesome. <laughs> Uh, once again, I'll wrap this up. Stick around. We'll finish up offline. But uh, thank you again for your time, guys. This is uh, I truly – it means a lot to me to do this. So thank you so much for for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, everyone watching and listening, I really hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, mate, smash that thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit that notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us everywhere at BOS Podcast. Check out the long-form audio so you can hear attractive Australian gentlemen like Uncle Brendo and Uncle Derek talk <laughs> about craft beer. And we'll see you legends in the next one. Get it in ya. <laughs>